0: Black Jack with Griffin and David, Black Jack with Griffin and David, don't know what to say or to expect, all you need to know is that the name of the show is Black Jack.
1: No one would have believed in the early years of the 21st century that our world was being watched by intelligence as greater than our own. That as men busied themselves about their various concerns, they observed and studied the way a man with a microscope might scrutinize the creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacency, men went to and fro about the globe, confident of our empire over this world. Yet across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes, and slowly and surely drew their podcasts against us. Hi. I'm Morgan Freeman. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm David Sims.
1: And I'm Griffin Newman. <laughs> Welcome to Blank Check with Griffin and David. Mm-hmm. I think the through line of this mini series is me doing a uh, consistently horrible impressions of people that everyone who've can we, impersonate. Who have we done
2: right now? We've done walking. And I, I mean and sure that. Right. Here. Who have you swung and missed on? Walking.
1: I think there's one other big one that I missed on, I can't remember now, because we're recording all these out of order. We're also recording like 17 episodes a day.
2: Yes, we are. 17 a day. Yeah. We're uh, sucking up movies as red goo, and then we're spraying them out everywhere.
1: Yeah, and then we become uh, gray, dusty tentacles that uh, evaporate into the wind. Uh, What podcast is this that we're recording so much of that's sucking us dry? Why, it's Blank Check with Griffin and David. True. We are hashtag the two friends.
2: Uh, Yes, we are.
1: Two- Friends who host a podcast together. What's that podcast about? Well, it's about filmographies. It's about directors who have massive success early on, and Hollywood gives them a blank check to make their own crazy projects. All true. Based on their own whims, they get a series of get out of jail free cards. And sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce,
2: baby. <laughs> Is that Morgan coming back? I don't back? know. I
1: can't, I can't decide. Okay. We're talking about Stevie Spielberg, mm-hmm. little Stevie Spielberg, that nice kid from down the street. In the DreamWorks era. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's won two Oscars. He owns his own studio. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yes. This miniseries series is called Pod Me If You Cast, and we are up to his first of two 2005 pictures.
2: Yes, the, the, in, in his third triptych. Like, sort of in his third, mm-hmm. two and threes, uh, three and twos even? Yes. David's three and twos theory. Yeah, my three and two theory. It's, you know, he made three movies in two years over and over and then over.
1: Then he again. takes a break, and then he'll make another da-da-da. Yep. He a just, break, da-da-da. Yep. That's his rhythm. That's his drum beat. Is he uh, rushing or dragging? <laughs> You'll have to ask J.K. Simmons to find out. He's not in this movie. No, he's our guest next week on our Munich episode.
2: <laughs> now, now.
1: Now, now. Brown yeah. Cat. Uh... Th- this uh, movie we're talking about today is War of the Worlds.
2: War of the Worlds. And dun, dun, dun. 2005. Yeah, that's the theme. The famous yeah. War of the Worlds theme.
1: <laughs> dun, dun, dun.
2: Um, and, uh, 2005 sci fi uh, disaster movie. I I'd, guess.
1: Say, I'd say it's a survival horror film. A little bit. It with within the sci-fi, but it's it's it's
2: yeah. a disaster movie though. Yes, one hundred percent. It has all the hallmarks of the disaster film. Yes, yes.
1: Rather than an alien invasion movie, that's usually more of an action film sure. or a triumph film. Yeah, this is a disaster movie. This is things falling apart. Yes. Um, with yes. us today is mm-hmm. a very special guest. Uh, he is now throwing his hat into the uh uh, rapidly. Uh, competitive, um, uh, oh, arms race. Yeah, for to join the five timers club right, who's on gonna, our show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, this is
3: your third. The, stop this, by. Yeah, this is my third stop by. In this, I was on the way here. I was trying to figure out if it was my third or it feels like it's more. But that's because I think we've done other projects sure. together. Correct. Sure, but no, it's the third. Cray. This is the third. Speed Racer, Clone Wars. Yeah. No. It's no, Attack Attack of, of, of the clones. clones. Yeah, Digital yeah. filmmaking. Now and, this.
1: And now this. I think you're one of four people who have done three episodes now. Is that right? So it's like the question of who's going to hit five
2: first.
3: Mm. I mean, I'm going to do it for, number one, we're going to jump into Legend. We're just going to do the Legend episode at some point.
2: You know, we did talk about Legend way back on the day in yeah. the Attack of the Podcast. Yeah.
3: And we're going to do toys for sure. Yes. And right now, by saying it aloud, that I've inserted myself into both of those. That movie's insane. Pods? Oh, my God. I want to talk all day about toys. I'd is. love to talk about I, toys.
2: I weirdly like taped that movie off of TV when I was a kid, so I watched like a
3: bunch. Weird movie to watch a bunch when I was a kid. I, that's an, it's, it's a great movie. It's a weird movie. It is the ultimate blank check. It's a great well, movie. It, David, David, take that back. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I refuse to take that back. It's a fascinating movie.
3: Our guest is J.D. Amato. Hey, guys, somebody stop me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: this <laughs> this guy, Jim Carrey had been in this movie. Yeah. That's
3: my impression of There's Jim Carrey. There's a reason.
1: He's our James Carrey. <laughs> he
3: is.
2: Our resident James Carrey, J.D. Carrey. James Carrey's Mono. kind of a lanky guy, right? He's sort of a... Yeah, you have oh. similar I, builds.
3: Yeah, and I, I pull faces that you guys at home can't hear, Yeah, but right now I'm doing a really good Richard Nixon face. Mm. The voice I don't have yet, but look at this.
1: <laughs> J.D., much like the first incarnation of Batman uh, villain Clayface, is literally molding his face into a perfect sculpture of
2: Richard Nixon. How did Batman ever beat Clayface? The guy's made of clay. Do you know
1: uh, that though? That first, the first version of Clayface isn't like a big clay right, mound. He's just he's like, just a dude in a suit who's an actor, and he's like, hold on, let me work on this. He's like and... Spider
3: mans
2: chameleon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Except he has to literally sculpt his face. Hey
3: man, how did Batman beat anyone though? Is really the question here. That's I a think, fair point. Well, he's the we world's should... greatest detective. What really? Because it seems like he's the world's greatest ninja with. Otherworldly gadgets. He calls himself the world's greatest detective.
1: Yeah, and let's remember that ninjas are nature's detectives, not nature's pet detectives. When nature calls, like Jim Carrey bringing it Gotham, all back.
3: Gotham City, do not go in there.
1: <laughs> uh, thank you. This has been our episode on War could, of the Worlds. Yeah, what? It'd be an interesting Batman.
3: He was, oh, my he was, gosh. He was the Riddler, He'd be course. a better Batman, oh my I think, than, than That's some was dream was. casting.
2: Yeah. He'd be an interesting Batman because he's a maniac.
3: Okay, Jim Carrey yeah, yeah. as Batman. Jacob Tremblay as the butler. Alfred? Alfred. Sure. Do I don't it? know
2: why Jacob. We, which, J-D- Jd's, J-D's some been some hard
1: on for Jacob Tremblay. So let's get this out of the way. Okay?
3: Okay. Oh, yeah. This has to. Yeah.
1: The th- The third wheel of our tricycle. Uh
2: huh.
1: Producer Ben. Oh, sure. AKA Predator Ben. AKA the Ben, yeah, right. ben Dooser, AKA the Poet Laureate. AKA the Haas. AKA Mr. Haasitive. we the fart detective. AKA the meat lover. <laughs> AKA the Poet Laureate. I say that already? AKA the Peeper. AKA our finest film critic. AKA uh, Birthday Benny. AKA the Tiebreaker. Uh, AKA Dirt Bike Benny. AKA Soaking Wet Benny. Um, he's graduated to certain tells over the course of different miniseries. Uh, such as producer Ben Kenobe, Kylo Ben, Ben Chamelon, Ben Say, Say Benny Thing, and Ailey Benz with a, a dollar sign at the end of it is not here today.
2: He's not. Bye-bye. He, bye-bye, Benny. He's sick. The bye-bye man. He's deathly ill. He is quite ill. As You guys might have heard Four or so months ago, yeah. his appearance on the uh, Star Wars Episode two, uh, Best Of, the Attack of the Podcast Best Of, right. which he sounded like, you know, death was taking him. Narratively, that was 10 episodes ago. If not more. But this was two days before
1: we're recording right now. Uh, he's, in, he's in death's grip right now. And so we have intern Will with us here today, man in the ones and zeros. Hey, guys. Now, intern Will, what he's going to do is in post, Yes, he's going to hand this file to Ben, right? This is
2: JD's <laughs> random idea that we're running It's a running great idea, with. though.
1: When when Ben is better, he will be given the file, and then Ben is going to ADR everything Will says in his own voice over it. So, Will, you don't have to do this work, but Ben, as we've trusted you
2: before to do edits. What a bunch of shit work we're handing
3: Benny. Wait, wait, here. Let's, let's do this real quick as well, too. Yeah. It's like, for example, listener. Right now, in our, he- in our headphones, you're about to hear, we're about to hear intern, podcast intern Will. But you, you're going to hear Ben saying, producer saying producer the same ben. things that Will says to us right hey, now. Hey, Will, say something but, crazy. But Will, tell us a little bit about yourself, your actual yeah, life. Yeah, please,
1: say, give us like a little synopsis of your life and Ben will re-record it in his voice.
2: Or maybe he won't.
3: Let's be clear. Yeah, guys. So, I'm 26. I'm from cool San Francisco. Cool place. Yeah. I studied psychology in college. Okay. Whoa. Um, I can speak French. Wow. Um, hey, why yeah. don't you do a little bit of that real quick? Yeah, speak a little French. <laughs> yeah, I'll speak a little French. Uh okay. Bonjour. Uh J Matt uh, the wheel. Jim Jim uh, yeah. parlé Francais. Hey he likes to speak French. That's yeah, great. That yeah. So hopefully hopefully Ben likes home, to speak French. Yeah. Hopefully something. <laughs> you ben just heard of all that. Heavily congested Ben. <laughs> Kind well, of gut that one out. Hopefully
2: Ben will not be congested come, like, March or whenever he has to release this. Also, like,
3: eagle-eared listeners will realize that any time I've been on the podcast, Ben has been very sick. It's, it's true. true. So, J.D.,
2: Ben, they're, like, opposite extremes of something. Like, they can't, you know, one can't be
3: imbalanced with the other. They say if we ever touch, the world will implode. I mm, hope it doesn't. Yeah. Well,
2: how about the world that goes to war Yes, in Steven Spielberg's 2005 sci-fi thriller... War of the Worlds. Bum, bum, bum. Correct. Okay. So, right. I was getting us
3: on track.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I I remembered the development process of this movie being weird. And it was I was like, this? That's what the development process was so like. I, I spent like an hour last night combing through yeah. variety pieces because I yes, wanted so to I get the timeline film. of this. Oh, correct, yeah. Sure, okay? sure, 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 sure.
2: Because it was odd. Now, Spielberg. Well, Spielberg and Cruise make Minority Report. Right. That's 2002. That's, that comes out in 2002. Okay. It's well reviewed. Could have made more money, but. Uh, generally, I think, well-regarded.
3: And those boys loved working with each other. Had
2: a good time. Now, Cruz goes and visits Spielberg
1: on the set of Catch Me If You Can, right? So the immediate film after Minority Report and goes, look, I'm really happy with that movie we made together. You have to presume this is maybe right around, right before Minority Report actually comes out, right? Makes sense. He's in production. And he goes, I'm really happy with that movie we made together. I want to do something else. Here are some things yeah, so it was during the filming of Catch Me If You Can. Right. right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. He says, Here are some things that I have the rights to. Right. He's got his company He's cruise, got Wagner, cruise Wagner. And he
2: goes, He brings Speely three movies. Three, three movies.
1: movies. I don't think we know what the other two Unfortunately
2: were. Unfortunately not. I would love to know what the other two were. I'd love like, you know, what was it like? It doesn't matter. Carry on. And
1: he goes, Spielberg, take your pick. Here are three cruise vehicles. I'm ready to make these. If you want any one, I give you creative freedom to make what you will of it. Right. And one of them was he had bought the rights to war of the worlds. Earlier, H. I think like Wells year 2000. Novel. Yes. Yes. They had it at Paramount. Uh, they hired a writer and he said, I'd love to make a War of the Worlds movie. Yep. Right. And so he throws out the script that they have yep. and hires David Kep to write it.
2: No. First, they hire J.J. Abrams. Yes. Oh, and he refuses or whatever. He, asks, because he can't do it because of loss. Lost. Lost. Yeah. Yes. He's about to, he's developing one. Which is too bad because I would love to see the J.J. J. Abrams script here. I would but love to too. see the three of those, those guys make this movie. Now, Spielberg has a hard-on for J.J. Abrams. As does uh, as, as Tom Cruise. As does yeah. America. Right. Well, America's at least about to.
1: But here's some interesting timeline stuff, okay? So around this same time, J.J. Yeah. Abrams is hired to write a Superman
2: reboot. Yes.
1: He writes a script that was carried by Anna Cool very controversially. It, is this, was it called, Super, what was it called I believe again? it was called Superman Flyby, it's which something is a like that. weird yes, fucking yes, title. yes, that's right. And Mick G was supposed to direct it, and then he oh, dropped man. out because they wanted to film it in Australia to save money, and Mick G is afraid of planes. What does
3: Mick G do now? Makes movies. What's What was his most recent?
1: His most recent movie was—it uh, wasn't Three Days to Kill, right? That Costner action movie? I think he did
2: one after The that. Babysitter is Coming Up, Three Days to Kill was his most recent movie. Okay.
3: Did you ever see— <laughs> <laughs> he most
2: does mostly TV now, though, right? He does a lot of TV. He should that not be uh, as successful and uh, can, you know continue to get the kind of projects that he does. But, guys had a uh, lot of chances. He had a lot of chances, but we live in a society that enables this sort of behavior from white guys who call themselves McGee. Yes,
3: also and make movies like he This made- Means War. He made the most '90s thing, the most '90s thing that exists.
1: The pretty fly for a white guy music video?
3: No. Smash nice Mouth All Star music video. Yes, right here. Oh, he Which is directed, directed, that. By, yeah. directed cool. by Nick G. Yeah. And starves. Clips and lookalikes of the Mystery Men, right? Yes, yes. Of, cast. of course,
2: because it was that song was initially attached to Mystery Men.
1: Everyone fucking thinks it's they the think the of it as a song. Shrek thing. It was a Mystery it was Men a mystery song. Mystery
2: Men. Hey, like, now they were All Stars.
1: All Star could have been nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song. Is that right? It or was Mystery like, Men? I think I was trying to do this research the other day because I rewatched Mystery Men
2: like two weeks ago. What did you think of it? I really like it. Here is the thing about Mystery Men. Yeah. What a cast! Fantastic cast. Yeah concept whatever but like the designs the hero Mm -hmm. a lot of the heroes are really good a couple of the heroes are not so good but a lot of them are really good I like all the characters I think I like all of them yeah (laughs) yeah They should have had a better director. Like, yes. it just lacks like a little bit of like the panache you want. Like, they hired some ad guy, well, right? See, you know? I would argue the opposite. I'd argue he's throwing too much panache on it, but the wrong kind of panache. Yeah, it, right. It just
1: has it's the the look is all off, and they hired the set pieces are not. They great hired and, a commercial director who yeah. came from the sensibility of like What's every single some... Kinka Usher. Kinka Usher. It's <laughs> the only movie he ever made, and right. apparently on the set he went fuck this. I'm going back to doing commercials. Right. Um, but he he directs it with the like overzealousness of a commercial director who's like I got thirty seconds to stick in your craw, right. so every shot is the most extreme shot it could be. Well,
3: let's so let's let's get into it. So the first scene of Mystery Man, <laughs> no, basically, <right>. Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is podcast. McG.
1: Um, I just I want to
3: say podcast. <laughs> You've gone down such an yeah, yeah we really have.
1: Nathan Rabin uh, in his my year flops entry on Mystery Man. Mm-hmm said that Mystery Men is far better than any movie that looks this much like Batman and Robin has any right to be.
0: Mm-hmm, right. And that's my review of it. It has that like, aesthetic, The yes. cast
1: is so good, oh, and I yeah. think the script's really good. I think the script's very funny. Apparently a lot of it was like rewritten by the cast on set. But I think that movie works stuff. in spite of the fact that it's horribly directed.
2: It is pretty badly directed. It has some just great stuff. It I has think, some great stuff.
1: Can I throw my hot take before we get back to Mcgee sure. and then get back to War of the Worlds? Yeah,
2: William H Macy is fantastic. Yeah, also my number Cal. one Ben Stiller performance.
1: It's, I think his so. best comedic performance in a movie.
2: I mean, I'd have to pour over that. He's I really can't. good. I would also need to see Mystery Men again. It's been a long okay. time. Okay, so and then, then you need to see Heavyweights so, again just to yes. compare the two. let me go back. Okay. Let me just let me just run for. Well, we'll get off McG right after this. But let me run down this motherfucker society. Here's here's what he's done. Charlie's Angels he opens debut. with Charlie's Angels. Big hit. The movie's a big hit. Mm-hmm. It has this like MTV you know videos direction style. But right. Everyone's like, great. Makes Charlie's Angels full throttle. It's not a hit. His magnum opus, though. It is an impressive movie. It's insane. <laughs> Then he makes We Are Marshall, a disaster on every level. Wait, he did We Are Marshall? Yeah, his bid That's for serious That's him trying pret. to be serious. Yeah. Oh my
3: God, I had no idea. Because I just did a TV show in Huntington, West Virginia, mm. where, where, Marshall, where Marshall, Marshall is. And the whole, everything we did was in the shadow of We Are Marshall. Like every, Everyone the only other like big the last time movie was exactly. here was We Are Marshall. Can I throw something? It's here? so interesting. I've, I was walking in the footsteps of McGee. Well, when does ago. that show premiere, JD? Uh. February twenty third. Okay, will so it premiered? Right. Yeah.
1: So by the time this episode comes out, that show will have premiered two months earlier. I think. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. something like that.
3: Well, go, go check out my brother. My brother, and me on SeeSaw. Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the hottest podcast is now the hottest show of twenty seventeen. David is saying this with the with a smile on his face that indicates a certain level of. Uh, David's already expressed to me that he does not like television.
2: Yeah, I'm a little out on television. We're a little burnt out. So, All right, I, I need to finish this. Mickey we are Marshall. Thing. We okay. are Marshall. Critical failure, box office failure, okay. disaster. Yes, yeah. uh, Right, like, and such an easy movie to make. Yeah. And they, they fuck it up. And then his fourth movie is what I think it is. This means war. No, Terminator Salvation comes oh, right. before this, that. Right, right, Terminator Salvation. Which was oh, I him forgot uh, he
3: did Terminator
1: Salvation. Being like, I'm going to be James Cameron. I'm going to do the blockbusters, worst. but I'm going to oh, do God. high-minded blockbusters. There's a reason I forgot
2: about that movie, and that we don't talk about that movie. Although we've talked about it a lot on this podcast.
1: Inspired the most omnipresent arcade game. In modern you, history st-
2: every movie theater has that thing Terminator every salvation. like multiplex it does.
3: someone <laughs> looks pretty good yeah it's got those big guns it replaced time crisis too <laughs> oh, someone crisis made some deal that yeah right. can't go back a on. grand
2: folly yeah. yeah maybe that's like how the machines will take over like those machines are the first those are kind of created the Terminator right. salvation arcade Terminator machine. salvation let's be clear another box office failure correct like He's been given the keys to things he keeps fucking up. So
1: far he has one successful movie.
2: It's two thousand this means war comes out in two thousand twelve. That movie is a calamity. Huge. It's huge a huge bomb. There's a huge budgeted movie. Three
1: hot stars. Yeah. A lot of although, money behind it. You know,
2: like in the retrospect, you're like, mm, maybe they weren't quite hot
3: stars yet. Weird you know, like, Here's what I'll say though, is that
2: And then Three Days to Kill Yeah the like, size of it the barely budget barely came
3: out. The size of the budgets and action stuff. Very few people can wrangle something that huge. Yeah, that's the
2: thing. It's a skill. That's why you... he keeps
3: getting jobs. Right, but he's not good at it. But he can actually do it on a day to day basis, which is what the bottom line guys look Ugh. at. Right, and God. they they honestly, studios should be taking more chances on people that have a, a big creative vision and whatnot, yes. instead of people that they just know have right. done it before. Can can run the factory? Right. We're getting off But it's Mcg. still impressive. You know it's still can... impressive. that He's made these big films. I'm not impressed. Okay,
1: so Superman fly by. <laughs> McGee drops out because he doesn't want to fly to Australia because he's afraid of planes. I had no idea. Yes, that's why it's really weird. Because he was all ready to go. They had, like, they were ready to green light him.
3: And they but were it's like, like I flight. do is get on plane. a plane. Just get
2: to Australia. Are there know? any
3: planes in any McGee movies?
2: There must be. There's Charlie's like Angels starts on a plane. The oh, yeah. opening oh, yeah. of, of Charlie's Angels is
1: fucking Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz, like, parachuting out of a plane right. dressed like enough. LL Cool J. Guys,
2: enough. This is actually bad. We have to, come on, let's get back on This is track. actually great. Yeah. But, uh, McG drops out. I'm getting a little mad. I'm about to tie this all together. All right, go ahead.
1: McG drops out. Uh JJ Abrams makes a big play to direct Superman Flyby. Yes, and they're like, you can't give a big franchise to JJ Abrams, creator of
2: Alias, a a movie, an untested
1: first time director. Can't do it, right? Right. So then they attach Brett Ratner, Mm. and that movie later falls apart. For he wants, he leaves to go do something else, and then Singer comes in and pitches hey, let's make a sequel to Superman Was 2. It, wasn't it, yeah,
2: right. I mean, wasn't it Ratner and Singer essentially switch switch places? Yes. You know, because Ratner ends up making X-Men 3.
1: Right, right. That's exactly what happened. Okay, great. So after the last thing you just heard me say about Ratner directing X-3. Fascinating stuff. Yes. We recorded another five to 10 minutes and then we realized that the computer had not actually recorded those five to 10 minutes. And right. I'd
3: like to point out that during this five to 10 minutes, David got visibly distressed and mm-hmm. frustrated that Griffin was going down such a rabbit hole yep. of scheduling. Honestly, this sounds like a bit this is not. No, We went down such it was a like rabbit Return hole. like Return of the Jedi level, me getting stressed well, out.
0: Well, for
1: listeners of our show, it's probably hard for you to imagine David getting uh, frustrated with me going
2: down a weird corridor. But it happened. <laughs> but No, but here's the thing that's distinctive about it. I was yep. getting frustrated because I knew the, time, the timeline wasn't matching up for me. So it was two things. It was one, oh, shit, we're off track. And two, wait a second. Like, that doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't
3: matter. So So in like a Groundhog Day-esque moment now, this means that David gets to get another chance at this day. All right.
1: Okay, and I get another chance to recite the timeline in a way that is coherent and doesn't break David's brain. Okay, 60 seconds, tell me when to start. Start. 2002, Minority Report. It goes, well, Tom Cruise and Spielberg want to do another film together. They meet up on the set of Catch Me If You Can. He goes, here are three projects I have. War of the Worlds is the one he wants. They hire—he reaches out to J.J. Abrams to write the script. J.J. Abrams goes, ah, I'm too busy trying to make this show lost. So they hire David Kep. David Kep's working on the script. They think he's going to hand it to them in 2005. They'll start filming that fall for a 2006 release. Tom Cruise's next film is going to be Mission Impossible 3 with Frank Darabont writing and Joe Carnahan directing. Joe Carnahan gets in a fight with the studio, leaves the film a month before filming, leaves it in disarray. Tom Cruise wants a film to be released in 2005. He's got this gap on his schedule. He hires J.J. Abrams, who is now done with Lost, to take over Mission Possible 3 and start it from square one. But now that means the film is pushed back at least a year. So what does he do now in 2005? He goes to Spielberg, who is an active pre-production on Munich, which he's going to release in 2005, and goes, hey, I have a hole. can you push back Munich for like six months and make War of the Worlds with me? I just got this first draft from David Kapp, and I love it. And so Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg commit to making War of the Worlds in the summer of two thousand four, starting filming in November of two thousand four to be released
2: the following July, which is a crazy June. timetable. Yes. Jim, um, good job. That was Thank about you.
3: seventy-five seconds. Pretty that was good. not bad. Pretty good. Right? It was not. Pretty good. It was not ten minutes. No, it was not ten to twenty minutes. And you didn't lose your mind. No, it was great. And this time you did not mention Turok: Last
2: Flight. G- Griffin, maybe we should always do this. Like record the whole podcast, listen back, and be like, let's squeeze this into ten minutes. Yeah. Right, yeah. like just uh, that what? was
3: very concise and very on point. Thank and you. that is
2: what happened with War of the Worlds is pre-production, uh, whatever melodrama, right? Like that—that right. that was like the—that's basically why it happened so quickly. Now, and as we were talking about in the bit that we lost, yeah. but that we can now talk about again, like Cruz's passion for the script, yes, mm-hmm. was one of the propulsive things here. They had decided to do it. David Cap had written it, and Cruz loved the script. And Cruz
1: and Spielberg had both said, like, well, we thought it was going to take longer to develop the script, but this kept draft was so
2: good it was ready to go right away. Which is crazy. Which in my opinion. Yes. Like too. I just I think agree. it's crazy. I
1: think it yeah. need a little more time in the oven.
2: Yeah, and maybe like a new oven, not the David Kep oven. Yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe you move from oven. David Kep's toaster oven <laughs> to <laughs> yeah. putting it, like you're like, okay, it's warm, but it's not crispy yet. Yeah. Let's put it in a real gas
3: oven. I mm-hmm. also think, and we'll talk about this later, I think there is this is gonna this sounds like this is a joke, but I truly believe that there is a post 9-11 rush of people trying to tap into the emotions that are being felt 100 and i think for i my guess is a total assumption which i hate assuming stuff but it feels like right after 9-11 going war the world is a story that needs to be told again Yeah. yeah feels like that might have had some sort of relationship
2: I was for certain david Kep also talked about when he wrote it like he wanted it to be like about like life on the ground during the invasion mm-hmm. he wanted it to be about regular people who are experiencing like you know this chaos not to be zoomed out and uh I mean, and that the characters not have been inspired by yeah. you know, the characters like are just
1: news. trying to survive the characters you're following are not power they're players
2: They're on the run they're not gonna i mean uh, arguably one of the bad things in the movie is when they do kind of like take it to the aliens because largely they do not take it to the aliens you know the aliens are not i mean we don't even see the force fields around the tripods until way late in the movie we're told about them early on but like we don't even tom cruise isn't even gonna like shoot a gun at these guys like he's just running away it's not an
3: action movie until the last third which is when i start losing my my zest for it would definitely agree I think um, I think I texted Griffin as I was watching, I was watching you were like, this, this movie's So great! Yeah. I was like, "This is a good damn movie." And yeah. I think I was like, "Kai, you sent I named it in. one
2: of the best films of the decade."
3: Yeah, they yeah. loved it. Yeah, it was huge, hugely yeah. really
2: popular with European critics,
3: especially.
1: Yeah. Um, for me, it's a it's a half and a half thing. Like I was watching it and looking it at the time bar, and it movie. like it almost at the exact midway point falls apart for me. That's it, probably right. It's
3: but, got some scenes and moments that are just like top of his game Spielberg. Yes. The first
2: half is unbelievable
3: it is yes it is
2: but bar for some cutesy david kept you know writing shorthand shit like you know like kind of you know father son shit like it's perfect
3: but i think even that stuff in the first half is done pretty i think it's done it's, fine what i like is that it's done quickly yes the, what, i agree with that t- yes Ten Ten very economical yeah. totally agree with the that. lightning thing the lightning storm happens like Five minutes into the movie, well, so and we, we can get into all ten, but yeah, we'll get to that. But it, it but
2: happens, it's so much quicker than you it think. It happens it's ten agree. minutes agreed. in, agreed. and the
1: first two minutes are Morgan Freeman narration. Like, yeah. there's essentially eight minutes of character shit before the yeah. attack starts.
2: Um, agreed, agreed, agreed. We should also mention, as we I believe we're about to mention when we got cut off, that Tom Cruise was in the middle of some sort of a personal uh, crisis yeah. slash transformation.
3: Yes, and we didn't mention that in the, the shortened version of things, but before this movie, this was the height of Tom Cruise. He was superstar, as Griffin mentioned in the part that you didn't hear, like Vanilla Sky, just well, his existence in that. I mean, if I can get into my phases, you know, I like my phases. Your, your are Cruise, Cruise
2: you know, you've got 80s Cruise, right, is like he's a, he's a cutie pie, and he's, in, he's a hot guy in a movie. Right? And I think this is important to note. And we've eight, talked about this in the Jeremy Wire episode. the dominant Sky narrative
1: episode. is... Uh, Tom Cruise is someone who's the fucking best. Right. People around him doubt him and tell right. him to be less confident. Right. And at these the, are the end, movies. he right. proves everyone wrong and
2: reasserts that he is the fucking best He yeah. had no reason to doubt You're him. talking risky business, you're talking Top Gun, you're talking cocktail, cocktail you're talking yes. like... And then, so after that, he's like, great, I'm Tom Cruise, I'm a big star, let me work with serious directors. He makes Rain Man, he makes uh, Color Money, he makes uh, Born on the Fourth of July, you know, like makes uh, these these serious movies these films are Tom Cruise mixed in with some of the sillier stuff like days of thunder or far and away or whatever
1: tom cruise thinks he's the fucking best then he starts to question whether or not he's a shell of a man and then he rebuilds himself (laughs) continues to be as good at the thing he always did but now with more humanity
2: yeah that's phase two cruise interview the vampire being the apex of that right and then phase three is like i'm tom cruise i have a production company and i want to work with like you know the cream of the crop like brian de palma Cameron Crowe, Steven, Stanley Kubrick, Steven Spielberg, Paul right. Thomas Anderson, like Michael you know, Mann, Michael Mann, and this is kind Ugh, of Tom right. Cruise, and this is this movie's the year after Collateral, right? Correct. Oh, what a great
1: movie. Um, he went straight from Collateral Press into War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. and that phase is Tom Cruise testing himself. Yeah, going like, a what happens if I give the the ingredient that is Tom Cruise and the star power that is Tom Cruise and the budget that comes with it to tours and yeah. trust them to. Mangle not mangle, but um, you know, rework my persona. Right. Try to approach,
3: you know, their own themes through me as a prism. And during this film is when he went through the famous like manic public breakdown thing, where he's jumping on it the couch. The oh, for, for yeah. this movie. It was the press tour for like this movie.
1: Was the press tour like the Matt Which? Lauer? Your
2: glib yes. Matt
1: interview happens in front of big banners that say "War the World." Yeah, and
2: and, and apparently Spielberg was not happy no, about that. And this that was the end of there because it's the things like. You'd think, like, oh, what a fruitful partnership this is. They make yeah. Minority Report, they make War of the Worlds. Like, in rap, you know, pretty quickly, like, this is, like, has yeah. Spielberg found, like, you know, maybe he did too much Tom Hanks, now it's Tom Cruise? Right. And then after this, that's it.
3: Yeah, there is a version where it, all the Spielberg movies to come that are Hanks movies could have been Cruise movies had not yeah. been that. I don't know,
1: yeah. And the alternate question is, if he had kept up the Cruise partnership, what kind of projects would he have chosen? Right. You know? Totally. Like, does he... Pick something like Bridge of Spies because he's like, this would be a great Hanks movie. Right. What happens if his mind is, this is my new collaborator. How do I find things for him? Um, you know, there's, when Shia LaBeouf talks about his, like, relationship with Spielberg and The Falling Out, which I'm sure we'll cover a lot more in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull episode, he said, like, when Shia LaBeouf was, like, shit-talking Transformers 2 during press right. or Transformers 3 or whatever, he said, like, you know. LaBeouf has, betraying his confidence, said this publicly. Mm. He's like, Spielberg said to me, there are times where you're an artist, and there are times where you just have to get out there and sell the fucking car. Sure. And he said, like, LaBeouf <laughs> said that was a moment that kind of freaked him out. was like, I don't like this, like, bite your tongue and just sell the movie. We got to make money kind of thing. Sure. Well, and Shia
2: LaBeouf should. Shut the fuck up.
1: Right. Yeah. And the Tom Cruise thing, it feels like Tom Cruise jumping on the couch, making everything about Katie Holmes, yeah. you know? Well, he,
3: that the that— premiere of this film was the first time that they were publicly together. I mean, and it was he kind of,
1: of co-opted the yeah. press well, tour that's the thing. for his own Just, personal
2: narrative. Tom Cruise has obviously decided because he, he divorces Nicole Kidman in, what, 2000, 2001? She divorces oh. I'm sorry. Oh. Fair oh. enough. They get oh. divorced. Uh, And Penelope Cruz happens for a little while, but that fizzles out. And then he has that relationship with the non-person. Uh, the non non-per- David. The, the not-famous person who is, like, you know, a Scientologist, and then they do uh, The
1: one who's on How I Met Your Mother and Ben-Hur. Yeah and
2: I, her name. Uh, I do too and but and also we need not just associate her with being
3: tom cruise's brief girlfriend because as david said she's a non person yeah, she's, she's not famous she is but actually she's actually a good a actress that's good i'm glad for i her. just forget
2: her name scarlett johansson obviously is like there's that story that she was like scouted for scientology You've, you we must have heard that story yes, she like I... walked into a room with like a bunch of people and she was like oh my god and like ran away
1: i've heard multiple versions of that story i've heard that story also happening with uh, uh jessica alba Yeah. Happening with, uh, I believe Rachel McAdams. Happening with Kirsten Dunst. This there is was all alleged. Open call auditions. It's not hey, open call. But this all. is alleged. A series
2: of screen tests. Sure, they were sort of like you know whatever. This is alleged. 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 Anyway, alleged. Tom, Tom Cruise.
1: I say all these things on the podcast that aren't real. Don't take anything I say seriously. Tom? <laughs> I say. <laughs> Tom? Also, if Tom? You want to make
3: a sign touch, if you want to make a star out of anyone, Griffin Newman. He's here, ready. I'm ready. Tom Cruise is obviously ready himself
2: to embark on the next phases of his public life. Right. And he decides that the War of the Worlds press tour is the place to do this. a brand refresh. To refresh his brand. Here's Katie Holmes. I love her, I love her, I love her. Jumping on the couch, she's a nice Midwestern girl. I'm an average Joe. We got a real new Coke situation here. Yes. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I think it's remarked. I uh, have read somewhere, you know, that Steven Spielberg was supposed to be at the Oprah interview as well, and mm-hmm. he had to drop out because I think he was making Munich <laughs> or he was. Oh uh, my god! And gosh. so, like,
3: would that not have been one of the greatest cultural items of all time? Exactly.
2: Spielberg some, was
1: just sitting there with his
2: hand over his mouth, right? Sort but, of like, but there's some like alternate getting, reality where it's like maybe Cruz is chill because Spielberg is there, and like yeah. maybe everything goes differently. Like, Yeah.
3: Who knows? Or maybe we just have this insert shot of Steven Spielberg like bouncing slightly on the couch as Tom Cruise is jumping on it.
1: He's losing his mind. Uh, But yeah, like Spielberg is really angry that Cruise doesn't just get out there and sell the car. You know, he's supposed to be out there selling the car and instead he starts like talking about his timeshare. Yes. And uh,
2: yeah. He's trying to sell uh, Cruise, Tom Cruise, the long term narrative here. Right. And uh, of course, everyone remarks like, "Well, that really fucks over War of the Worlds." No, it doesn't. War of the Worlds is a big hit. What it fucks over is Mission Impossible Three yes. the next year. Yeah, that movie really suffered.
1: It takes a little while exactly for the, for the box office effect to happen. But I feel also, like
2: the longer the Katie Holmes things, Holmes things goes on, the worse it is. It's you know, it's yes. like the, the initial burst is bad, but then you know it, they're still weird. Like yeah. no one's ever into that. Yeah, and, and I there's also- a lot of it.
1: I, I think it has hurt the reputation of this movie. Like, everyone wants to movie? see it. Like, it it made a crazy amount of money. Everyone yeah. wants to yes. see it, but I feel like It does
3: everyone... have some association with, it did with not, those, those days. It did yes. not have the Spielbergian gravitas that usually comes with, like, ooh, Spielberg. Like, I feel like it became this, like, media circus thing. Yes. Which is, I think, what... There's all these things talking about how Spielberg was not happy about it, and I think it's because, like, oh, he had a reputation of being this, like, the filmmaker, and then sure, suddenly and... he's wrapped up in all of this... Yeah, it's Gossip-y. like Spielberg
2: makes a Spielberg movie. And I, yeah.
1: right. I feel like audiences walked out and mostly made Tom Cruise jokes. You know, like I felt like that was the <sighs> it's cultural... not his best performance. No, and, and here's another thing. This movie does something. Talking about different auteurs using Tom Cruise, you know, different aspects of his movie star persona to get at different themes. Yes, yeah. This movie asks... Something of Tom Cruise that I think is too big of a reach. Mm-hmm. One thing he cannot Which is, pull off just be an average guy.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. I think he does a pretty good dirtbag job at certain points. He's an at okay dirtbag, especially at the beginning. At the beginning, but, one of my notes was dude, good dirtbag Tom Cruise.
2: But imagine this movie with, I mean, yes, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. I with no, thinking that. No. You know, it's like, yes, like, because. Not
3: Mark. Not Mark. Wahlberg. I'm into Mark. I, I mean, the problem Mark with Mark
2: obviously it. is the the pitchy voice uh, when he's yelling at people. But the, I think there's a war. In the world. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Robbins, shut up. Yeah, yeah. Butcher, butcher Wahlberg, actually, that'd be a good third. Yeah. You're pretty good at Walberg, yeah. But um, uh, no, just because like the the humor, I guess, of like yeah. the first hour, especially, is that he's the worst dad. Like he's right. not good at reassuring his children at all. Like he keeps being like. You know, everything's fine, everything's fine. If we go back, we're going to die. You know, like he doesn't, he can't modulate.
1: I think Tom Cruise has two really strong modes, right? And I think any great Tom Cruise performance is tapping into one of these two or both. One is a guy who's great at doing stuff, right? Tom Cruise is great at just exuding a confidence and a control over situations. One could say a Top Gun. Right. I think the second mode that Tom Cruise is even better at is someone who is sort of losing their mind over their lack of control. Yeah, Desperately sure. becoming manic as they try to hold on to a situation. Mm-hmm. That's like the interview scene in
2: Magnolia. Jerry Maguire, Minority yes. Report. Right. Like, you know, and then uh,
3: there's the third category, which is legend, which is just next level Tom Cruise as dissolving into a character that you cannot even see the actor behind it because it's yes, such a great performance. Full immersion. Love me some legend.
1: Uh, this movie is weird because the whole take on it is Average Joe, street level, not fighting the yes. aliens. Mm-hmm. He has no control over the situation. But also, he's not freaking out about his lack of control. No. Uh,
2: y- yeah. He doesn't have much of a character. He doesn't. And he doesn't have much of a character arc. This he, is yeah, a, that,
3: that's, I think that's the thing that...
2: It's why I don't get why he was so hot for the script. Same here. I don't get what he sees in this script and is like, I cannot wait to sink my teeth into this. Because it's the opposite of what he usually likes playing. Yeah. And even the way it's set up of like, here's a dude barely
1: sees his children he gets a weekend with them and the aliens attack and the whole movie is like you see if someone pitched that to you and said Steven Spielberg is going to direct a movie where Tom Cruise has to hold on to his relationship with his estranged children during an alien attack you go I know exactly what that movie is going to be Right. and then the movie doesn't really care about that as an emotional through line
2: which is almost in the movie's favor it does at points and then doesn't at other points sure I would agree it's It's, generally in the movie's favor that it doesn't make it too cute of a like metaphorical like the aliens <laughs> may have destroyed Earth, but he like bonded with his son or whatever. I
3: think what yeah. I was excited uh, watching it, like what I, what you sort of want is at the beginning of the film, Tom Cruise puts himself before his kids and his family. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing, and then by the end, you're like, okay, he's gonna have a big moment where he puts them first and makes some big sacrifice, and we see that change happen, and that you don't really get that, and no. so the film feels like you're left hanging, and in fact. At the end, the grand gesture is that he returns his kids to his wife in a way that it feels like the opposite of what you're sort of hoping. Yes. Um, and, and it is, you know, there isn't
1: much of a character as written, right? But you look no. at, like, you compare his performance to Dakota Kim Fanning's performance. Dakota
3: performance. Fanning's
2: performance is amazing.
3: She's it's, unbelievable. It's, in, this in my movie.
2: opinion, the last great Dakota Fanning performance. I After would agree this, with that. she grows up, and I think she's become an okay, like, grown up actress. She's yeah. okay. But that weird precocious like brilliance she has in these in these kid movies. But she she does a great
3: job of just being like vulnerable kid and not in not in a precocious way. I think no, but she is precocious. But But I don't mean that- not in a way that is like I'm a child actor trying to be like like, performance. It feels like a genuine precocious kid. Yes, 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 yes. Um, not precocious in quotes.
2: That's the same energy that she brought to I Am Sam. Yes, like you know the movies where she you're just like there's something kind. I know this is a stagey kid. Like I know that this is a kid who. You call cut, and she's like a perfect little child actress. Right. But there is something, like, uh, you know, real to this character that she's created.
3: Yeah, there's some vulnerable moments. I yes. I, I shed tears twice last night watching wow. this.
2: She's good in, I'm Which saying, I she's good in predict. Man on
3: Fire, and she's good in this.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, she's not great in, like, Uptown Girls. Or, or Cat in the Hat. Like Cat in the Hat. Like, the ones where it's more, like, a cutesy movie. Yeah, there. who's the
3: best in Cat in the Hat?
1: Who's the best in Cat in the Hat? Alec Baldwin.
3: I never saw Cat in the. Baldwin's good in Cat in the
1: Hat. Mm. That movie is a fucking nightmare. though. That
3: movie is a real blank check movie. Uh,
1: you credit two points. You were gonna say,
3: yes, both of them. I think were her performances. I'm trying to think what they were. Um, oh, um, the first chaos. Uh huh. In the car. Yeah, in the car, and she yeah. like is the, having a the panic. the long
2: shot, the like yeah. the crane shot where it goes around and around again, and stuff yes, like that. maybe yeah. the in big the car, one shot, the yeah.
3: one she has like a panic attack. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. and she does the a brothers, great job, yeah. Yeah. of presenting that like out of control kid feeling where it's like i don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. i'm just stressed because my the person that i'm relying on Mm -hmm. for any sort of semblance doesn't know what's going on doesn't know what's going on and won't communicate and then the and that got me emotional i like i was like oh i remember that feeling as a kid and then the other one was the boat scene similar where the dad has that moment where he's like he's like just just follow me, do this, and then like you can tell she's like, oh, this is out of control. Yeah. And both times it was her performance that triggered me, that got Agreed. got things misty, and I was like, damn. I want to I want to. Speak damn, up. that's good. I feel like
2: I did Dakota Fanning wrong. I think she's very nice in uh, Coraline. Oh, she rules. Course. Oh, she's great in Coraline. I mean, she's obviously it's a vocal Coraline. performance; it's a little different, right? And still. obviously
3: Coraline's the best use of three D in any movie. Yes, and oh my gosh, you guys, <laughs> man. Uh, let me talk about that for just two seconds. Yeah. You guys did me dirty. I didn't do Second.
1: you dirty. I'm on your fucking I, side. I did
3: JD dirty. I called him a dumb anime fan. <laughs> I didn't. You called yeah, him, yeah. him a dumb weird animation freak.
2: Yeah, because you guys are dumb <laughs> weird animation freaks. He said that about both of us. I, right, right.
3: I, I was literally like, I was having like a long day working on a show, <laughs> eating lunch. You were lunch, like having a
2: bad time, eating, trying to relax, listening to some blank I was, check. I was
3: eating lunch in like our post facility, listening to blank check, and then all I hear is like, no, no, no. You and JD are idiots. You're, you're dumb f- animation freaks. Dumb and I was like, weird animation freaks. I think freaks. I texted Griffin. I was like, what the? No, you texted on- both of us. Oh, yeah, I was like, yeah. come on, guys. Yeah. But, but I was on
1: your fucking side. I was, I was getting persecuted right along with you.
3: Anyway, if Coraline, you guys wanna- Coraline is the strongest visual and thematic use of Thank stereoscopic you. film that has ever been created.
1: Avatar looks cooler in 3D and is yes. more immersive. Th- thematically,
3: doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Coraline's yeah. the
1: one film that uses three dimensional depth uh-huh. thematically uh-huh. within this narrative. As yeah. a piece of the guys. language of yeah. film.
3: A bunch of dilworks I'm talking to right now. <sighs> JD and I high
1: fived. For those of you who know, JD and I, high fived. Coraline. Ben
3: put a big high five sound effect in there. Yeah. A in there. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it. It's, uh, better, okay. And Ben, movie and movie also Avatar. Dub Avatar. Over
1: Will saying, got it. All right. <laughs> yeah. War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Of the, Worlds. Um, the thing that's most impressive to me about Dakota Fang's performance is, and it both those moments you just talked about have this. She plays uh, shock and trauma better, or and as Tom well Cruz. as any adult actor I've ever seen. Because right?
3: she's not, because she's not playing. I'm. She's not playing shock and trauma. She's yes. playing the like child confusion. Confusing. Wants information. She's not ha- crying. handle the information. She's not wants it. She's not in a furrowed brow. Right. She's like just looking around. Yeah. You see her observing everyone. Yeah. And then seeing her like try to do the math in her head of what's going on in a way that's like. That is exactly how you feel in those moments of chaos.
1: And any time you cut to Dakota Fanning having one of those reactions in the movie, it pulls you into the movie it so does, deeply it because does. it's like it feels like VR. It's like, okay, I see how she's reacting to this. That's how I would react to this. You feel like you're there in the moment. Agree with you guys. Counterpoint. I'm. I, I'm not okay. just obsessing over this. I'm using this as a counterpoint. Okay. Uh-huh. Counterpoint, Tom Cruise is like a fucking like trained ballet dancer, mm. and he hits his moves so precisely. Yeah, right. And anytime he's running away from the aliens, he's doing the Tom Cruise run, yep. and when he's playing Shock, it's Tom Cruise, Action yeah, Star Shock. It's okay. Right. So, none of the characters in this film have character arcs, right? Yeah, not particularly. And by design, this movie, because it's street level, because it's all of that, it's like, I, I appreciate the fact that it doesn't do pat narrative character growth kind of shit, Right. but I do think whether or not Mark Wahlberg's the right choice, you want someone in this role who, because there's not much of a character there, can just exude the same sort of, like, blue-collar worry and griminess and all of that so that you have the same reaction every time you cut to that guy that you do every time you cut to Dakota Fanning, where it's like, I don't know who this guy is, but I understand how he's reacting, and I relate to it.
3: Yes, I think, think to me, what it speaks to is maybe almost the issue of Tom Cruise, especially mm-hmm. at that point in his career and where he is and stuff, is that when you look at him, you see Tom Cruise. Yes, always. You, you don't see, I can't even think of what his name is in this. Uh, Ray? Oh, yeah, it's Ray... Ray Farrier. Because his kids Ferrier. call him Ray. Right. Like, you see Tom Cruise. Always. And beca- I agree. And I think one of the joys of a script like this would be you see these characters and you don't know what will happen because chaos unfolding around them. Yes. They could live, they could die, they could this. When you see Tom Cruise, you don't feel scared that he's going to be in trouble or get hurt because you know Tom Cruise is the underlying capital T hero yep. of American cinema. He's going to make it out. He's going to beat the bad guys. Yeah. So it just—I I, think—I think it hurts the cause. And no matter like, how agree. good his performance is, it's you can't overcome that. It's too distracting. Well, I
2: also think that uh, the the movie's pivotal moment for him, which is killing Tim Robbins, feels like such an afterthought. Like, yes. When it shouldn't, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, because, uh, like, if he has an arc at all, it's that, I guess, is that he's, you know, driven, you know, he understands that the, the sort of, like, uh, what he has to do protection of his children sure. extends to this.
3: But, see, the problem, I think the problem, the reason, not the problem, it's not a problem, the reason that that didn't hit as hard for me is because that comes after the moment that I still don't understand that doesn't totally click for me of when his son Oh, joins the military. That, that's wait, the wait, wait, wait. moment the fun I'm sorry, apart. the
2: arc of his son didn't click for you? I thought that was all very clear and well-acted by Justin Chatwin. Goku himself. Love Justin Chatwin.
3: Yes. <laughs> in a Spielberg movie, yeah. second build. Um, well, No, he's third build. America had Chatwin fever. Justin Chatwin. But it's like that moment sort of undercuts that next moment, which is really a cool, could be a powerful scene, but instead you're sort of like, wait, what? Why He just joined the military? What? Like what well, it's also <laughs> how Justin
1: Chatwin. it's also from that point on, the movie starts to feel like what you would imagine as the yes. worst version of a Tom Cruise War of the Worlds movie, right, like all the sort of like you are there realism, the chaos of just like I don't know what the fuck is going on, you know, I mean, this movie is so good at um in the first half, especially uh showing the kind of dazed reaction, yes of just like. The world is crumbling around me and I don't even have time to process it. You right? Know? Like
3: the moment when the the lightning first happens I really love. When oh he's outside and he's like, "Look at this. This is so cool." And then they get and then she, the daughter gets scared and, and then he gets scared. and then he gets scared. And then he gets really scared and then the daughter gets really scared because he's gotten really yep. scared. And then suddenly he's like, "Oh, this thing that I thought was this cool, right. daring fun thing to sew, my daughter is now out of control." Yeah,
2: well, he's doing the dad thing at first,
3: where he's like, nah, "Nah, don't worry about
2: it. Check it out. Check yeah. it out. Come on. Oh, cool. I know it's, it's scary, cool. but you know." Right. He also um, he
3: also has a classic Tom Cruise uh young Tom Cruise scream. When the giant lightning strike happens, he screams like he did when he was like younger. I feel mm-hmm. like the older Tom Cruise scream mm-hmm. is like a masculine manly thing. He does like he has this weird moment of performance where you're like, Ooh, that's like that's super young Tom he's, Cruise. He's good.
2: Yeah. Uh, he's good in the early part of the movie,
3: like you know, in the, in that first half hour. Or so he's okay. Yeah, I wish he well, was even grimier, but yeah. But I, I think okay, I think it's because that's the strongest part of the movie, and that's that's all right. The I'm, movie shut, I'm shutting you guys
2: out. down. Shut up. We're gonna talk about the movie rather than like jumping around. All okay. right. The movie opens. <laughs> Being a
3: guest on your podcast is such a pleasure, David. <laughs> great. Shut Thank up. You. Thank you, deity.
2: Uh <laughs> It's a great. It's a great pleasure to be on my podcast. Um, I love I'm, you, David. I'm a little hungry. I'm, hey, I'm realizing. Hey, that's David, I love you.
3: I love you too, JD. I really do. I do too. Yeah, it's great. Hey, hey. No, seriously. Hey. I
2: know.
1: We've
3: known each other for Guys, what's I'm here. too. So? One, one of my favorite things is talking movies and TV with you guys. I know. Guys. We've had yeah. so much fun over the years talking movies and TV. You. Also, like before we recorded this, we talked for like maybe an hour. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, uh, ben uh, Benny overslept. Yeah.
2: Benny and the Jets. More like Benny overslept. Yeah. Benny and the
3: Z's. Benny
2: overslept. That's the theme song The yeah. movie is set in Bayonne, New Jersey. Yeah, Not Patterson, New Jersey. Bayonne, New Jersey. The opening he's
1: working in Brooklyn, I found out. The opening uh, yeah. construction site. supposed and to be And a
2: lot of this movie was shot in Brooklyn, and that yes. final scene when he's in Boston, like, that was shot like, on my block, basically. Yeah, right. yeah. 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 Um So he's, uh, he's a real, uh ha, he's a guy, man. He's a real blue-collar guy. Yeah, this guy's really a guy. He's got like a Carhartt jacket. Yeah. He, yeah, he he works that uh, old uh, shipping container thing real good. He'll he's get the best bullshit. there is. They mm-hmm. have
3: a little shot where they have a close-up of his hand and gives a little tap, 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 mm-hmm. tap, tap. Oh the- yeah. yeah! And it's like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing.
2: Um, you know, just, just, a, he's the guy that the judge from the wire who's in that opening scene, <laughs> judge Fahey or whatever he's called in the wire. He's like, guy, you know, you got to work the next shift. Only you can do all the shipping container stuff. He's like, ah, yeah, I got to go home.
3: Well, I like to see the, my the, kids. The one line he has, which is such like a want want line is like, he's oh, like, yeah. he's like, you know what your problem is? And then Tom Grugo is like, huh? I know a lot of women who could tell me. <laughs> The guy goes, ah, doesn't even finish his thing.
1: Yes. (laughs) Things that normal human men say. David
2: Kep. That's what that is right there. That it really, I mean, like, that's, I really think that's, that's the kind of shit he brings to the table. Yeah. You know, he's got such a sort of Robert McKee, like, we're going to do it. We're going to set everyone up. Well, so he said that. They did. He's set up. He's set up there. That's the the only thing I'll say for it. Happens fast, and he set up.
1: I feel like David Keps a guy you hire to adapt something, give you the bones of it, so then you can like rewrite it and add some personality to it. Absolutely, like the best David Kepp scripts, you feel like then someone else with some finesse came in and like put a
2: nice coat of paint now, over the bones. To be fair, Josh Friedman is also credited here, but I on think script. only because he, he wrote the first draft. I believe bo- he had written the first before draft, Spielberg came. The on one board. that they tossed out. He, yes, of course, you know what he's working on right now. What Avatar two. <laughs> I have a
3: two. Tuvitar. So. I have two Tuvitar, the second to last airbender. So, um, Lore of the Worlds.
2: Uh, yeah. So his kids are home for the weekend. Yeah. In Bayonne, New Jersey. Yeah. In his shitty little, like, place.
1: Both of his kids call him Ray. Both they of his kids
2: call Ray. him Ray. There's, well. there's
3: a car engine in his living room.
2: There is, which I, I like. I, I like his place is uh, appreciably shitty. I also like that he has, like, a decent bedroom set. He's mm-hmm. got, like, kind of a nice... Like, he's got some good stuff. Yeah. And then also, like, a bunch of random crap. Yeah. I like when he takes his shirt off and lies down in bed because usually you look at Tom Cruise shirtless. Weird chest. And he's got a funny chest. Too and many muscles. Too many muscles, and you're like, man, this isn't a real person. With this guy, I'm like, you know what? He probably works out a lot. Yeah. You know, fucks around. Doesn't do much. I buy right? it. I can buy yeah. it, you he, know?
3: He's also done something that was startling to me where he goes... his kids annoy him so he goes to take a nap and then they go we're hungry and he goes well then order something out he says order i don't think he even says oh, yeah. order he's, he's just like
2: they're like what do we do and he's like order, order.
3: yeah <laughs> and then so he lays down and has that nap there's a moment also that to me is the part of this film that aged the most
2: the was, hummus stroke yeah. Yep, yeah yeah i agree the thing <laughs> where he's <laughs> like he's like hummus and it's what like is a, this it's shit like
3: a joke that someone would eat hummus he's like he's, he's like what do you mean she's like hummus he goes
2: hummus?
1: Yeah.
3: As if like, I wanted as if, to like, get order real food. Yeah, she
1: goes, I t- you told me to order, and he went, yeah, I meant order food. Yeah, right, right. That's, like, uh, that's I
3: think line. if that movie came out today, that would be quinoa would be that. Yes. Even that would feel a little hacky, quinoa. But like, no, you know, but, yeah, but like, now it's like, hummus is so ubiquitous. Hummus? I mean, Jesus it's so Christ. That so funny that it's like, who would eat hummus?
1: It's yeah. the way it's that late true. 80s, 90s movies have, late 80s, early 90s movies have the same jokes about uh, uh, sushi. Right. You know, where it's, like, raw fish? Yeah. Uh, can you send this back? I think it's undercooked. You know, like, those jokes. Um, Hummus? Or, but let's mention, because this is important to the setup, uh, wife is going to go visit the in-laws in Boston. And Kevin, or whatever his yeah, name is. fucking fucking
2: fuckboy Kevin. Yeah, who who plays that guy? We see him for, like, one His hot name second. is Richard T. Fuckboy. <laughs> uh, Miranda Otto, who yes. had just come off of The Lord of the Rings. Trilogy, Eowyn, where she plays Eowyn, who uh, kind of sucks, in my opinion. I like that character. Yeah, I think it's a
3: super overrated character. I think she's a well, cool Kevin, which I don't know if that's his character name. I'm gonna call him Kevin. Yeah, his performance. is What is, is his that- name? It's not Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kevin for all intents and it- His performance is that he wears a black turtleneck. Correct. Yeah, good, good job on that.
2: But there- I believe his name is
3: well, I mean, Wait Tim. for it. Tim. Tim. Yeah. Uh-
2: David Allen Bash. Uh, David Alan Greer. Um, yeah, David um, Alan Greer. Jag. David Alan Greer might be good in the lead role. Of this movie.
3: He'd be Ooh. great.
1: He'd be great. He would. Underrated as a dramatic actor. Agreed. Yeah. My dad so, saw him play Jackie Robinson on Broadway. Do you know this? There was a Jackie Robinson musical. With David
2: Alan Greer. Yeah, you musical. Really yeah. Whew. David okay. Alan Greer started out in musical theater. No, I'm fine with that. And more, it's more Jackie Robinson musical. that I think I'm, it was uh, called tripping the first. Maybe I don't
1: know. Uh. Anyway. 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 He's so great on Carmichael Show. These. Uh, so great. Also, unbelievable in the NBC uh, production of The Wiz. Um, I I
2: didn't watch that. Oh, he I, I, was fucking was he who was, it was he that. the odds? Uh, was he the, the lion? Oh, he's the lion. Um, I just saw him on set, uh, shooting the the Big Sick, the movie, the Appertown produced movie that's coming out. The, oh, he's uh, Michael in the Michael Walter right. movie, it yeah. was funny. Camille Lanjiani, I watched Walter him giant. do the same scene like four times. So you know, that's you really get an appreciation. Yeah, great when You watch that.
1: Uh, he's also really good at match game. I don't know if you folks are
2: watching match game. I mean, I've watched a couple of it, a couple of episodes on your recommendation. Yeah. You guys b- watch Big Fan? <laughs> you, the, you mean Pat the, like, the Pat Nozzle movie? Ozzel no. That's a new TV show. Is it based on the Pat Nozzle movie? Because that's not something I'd really base a movie on. No. So this I was, mean, a TV show. This Please came, tell me it's about an actual giant. This fan. came
3: on after The Bachelor this past Okay. Th- whatever. And it's they get a celebrity and then they get their Biggest three fan. super fans. Okay. And they do a trivia contest in front of that celebrity on the set hosted by, um, what's his name, Conan's, uh, uh, Andy Andy Richter. Yeah. And then at the end, whoever wins does a trivia competition between the celebrity of trivia about the celebrity. And the first episode was our friend, our writer, writer, right, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, our friend Matty. And it was a really bizarre show. But ABC, fun and games. ABC likes the fun and games. It's fun and games.
1: Um, but, but, yeah, there's this thing the film establishes where they're driving to Boston, which is why he has the kids. He takes a nap of uh, indeterminate time, which gives the wife and Tim some sort of head start where they know they're far away. Yeah. And when shit starts going bad, first there's the lightning strike, right? He wakes up. The sun's missing. Think- You've
3: missed one of the biggest moments in the film. What is it? One of the greatest moments. The baseball? <sighs> Tom Cruise coughs he coughs in one of the scenes. I don't know what he's talking about. There's a scene uh-huh. where Tom Cruise is talking and then he stops and goes Ugh! and coughs into his hand like and a normal human does to set up the fact of how the humans are to defeat the aliens in the end. Oh, he's sick. He's sick. Mm-hmm. He's coughing. And they put that in and they like highlight it and it's like a moment and you're like sure. If you didn't know what the world what the world's about, you'd be like oh, Tom Cruise is going to die, but instead you're like I get what you're doing here. I get it. Yeah.
2: Um, we should also, yeah, they ha- he does have the aggressive baseball, the, the aggressive scene of playing catch with yeah. his son, where they're essentially whipping a baseball at each other at eighty miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> the son hates him. The <laughs> he daughter... wears a Boston Red Sox hat to fuck with him, the and then he, he turns it around backwards. Yeah, yeah. he does it. Justin Chatwin is. A, a- Abysmal in this film. It's one of the worst performances in any Steven Spielberg film I've ever seen. It's one of the worst performances he's ever directed. And Spielberg, generally a good director, actor Well,
1: it's just it, it, the character is so surfacey, and the performance isn't adding
2: any layers to it. The performance feels like the you know a, a guest star on a TV show, like about a rebellious like the bad teen. kid exactly. in school. Yeah, like I am racking my brains trying to think of like an equally like uh, harmful Spielberg film performance.
1: Because I think any other Spielberg movie with a bad performance is at least
2: bad in weird, ambitious ways. Maybe Catherine Zeta Jones in The Terminal, which we have talked about. Or I was
1: going to say Julia Robertson Hook. But yeah, that's, that's at least know, bad. Can... Like she's trying shit that I, really
2: isn't working. I would say that performance almost underrated because of its reputation. is like one of the worst things yeah. that's ever happened. What but... about
3: Harrison Ford and Crystal Skull? No, come on. He's all no, right. No, I'm just. Guys, I'm trying to be a, oh, a I see. culture critic here. Oh, sure. Um,. Okay,
2: so they're they're en route to Boston. I'm, I'm like lost in the weeds, of like trying to think. Of, yes, well, yeah. they're on, uh, he, Miranda Otto and uh, Timmy Kev, Timmy Kevin, are on the route to Boston. He wakes up
3: from the, the, the nap. Kevin, make love to me in that turtleneck, <clears throat> as I do every night.
1: <laughs> he wakes up. Justin Chatwin's gone. Right? Where the fuck did he go? Then the lightning starts happening.
2: Which is, I mean, I love that so much of the action in this movie is just noise. Yes, maybe yes. some light off screen. Love it. It's so scary, the th- the, the lightning storm. And it, all it is is a bunch of flashes. You, you could basically stage that in the 1950s.
1: Yeah, and what I love is uh, this section of the movie starts really milking the terror of watching a bunch of strangers all reacting to the same thing in confusion.
3: Yes, because it, it, this is one of the first big-budget disaster films post-9-11. Right. And sure. so... This is, I mean, to me, the definitive... Blockbuster 9-11
2: movie.
1: This is what 9-11, like, this is what New York City felt like on September
3: 12th. There's a lot of imagery of people on the streets looking up at the sky. It's actually like a haunting and creepy movie to watch.
1: It's really effective, though. It is. Yeah, no, it, it realizes this is better than any other movie I've seen
3: that, Before, that tries since. to weaponize the 9/11 imagery and a lot of good misinformation stuff of just like people being like, "What's going on?" I have no idea. Yes. I think it's terrorists. Yeah, they shot. Is it the terrorists? Yeah. And like he's like, "Something's attacking us." Like you know. Also worth noting, the first shot of this film, aside from the uh, Morgan, Freeman. Morgan Freeman stuff, is a shot of New York City. No towers. Yeah. Yeah. It's the first shot is just like that part of New York in a way that feels very intentional. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Like it's Southport. Spielberg has at this point talked about it, right? Like, I mean,
2: he made it with that intention. Yeah, 100%.
1: But there's like uh, the the storm's the first thing to happen the the overwhelmingly terrifying cloud up in the sky the, the right? weird cloud then the storm Amy yeah. Ryan next door with yeah. her toddler all these sort of parallel a lot of wire in this one right but yeah. all these it's this row of houses that all have these tiny gated uh, yes, you know yes, yes. Uh, backyards yes and you see everyone under the Bayonne Bridge right yeah. stepping out and looking up at the sky and it's that great thing that I don't see other movies do, but that like gets at what it actually feels like when this shit's going down and no one knows what it is yet, which is people trying to decide whether or not to be scared yet. Right, like, yeah. Their and first instinct isn't fear, it's like... It's sort of confusion and interest. I mean, because he speak? goes yeah. there,
2: you got Rick Gonzalez, who I think is such a wonderful little actor, and I love it when he pops character. up. But he's really He really yeah. is a great character. I don't know what happened, because I mean, at this period
1: of time, he was on a roll, and then he started. It's of... when he
2: starts showing up and stuff. He was in Reaper, which he's great in. Oh, yeah. Talk about TV that time I forgot. Yeah. Um... Tyler Bean, baby, that was seven Tyler Lebean shows ago. Yeah, there's a lot of Tyler Bean shows yeah. out there. Um, they they yeah they go to look at this like the lightning strike, right. and they're all gathered around it, and the cops are kind of doing that thing where like, I don't think anyone should be around here. I don't know what this is though. Like you know, like no one really right. knows how to react. I'm I,
1: saying like back up, but I'm not really enforcing that it.
2: That image, uh, I'm mean, sorry, no, just that thought of the that it's cold is really yeah. cool. I also Cruz plays that kind of well, where he's like yeah. sort of tossing the the yeah. rubble between his hands. Yeah. Oh, it's so creepy.
1: But but even just the thing where all the cars are stopped and yeah. you just see the because right, there's also been like
3: an EMP blast, right? Essentially. Yeah. And people are doing the thing where they, there's a couple moments where it's like everyone like takes a couple steps back and then takes a couple steps forward. It's like they're yeah. like at one point they're hiding behind a wall and then they step forward. It's like no one knows. And then one of the moments that I think they do really well is I. So we're in a period of like action movies, right? Where everything is like. This giant thing, the entire planet, the entire world, a thing the size of the this. It always doesn't feel that scale. No, right. Yeah, yeah. When the ground
2: buckles. Oh, yeah. Oh, God.
3: That whole thing. And it, the church gets taken down. Like yeah. But, like, when the ground bubbles, yeah, yeah. it's done it at a speed and a simplicity that makes it feel that size and that scary. Whereas, like... You know, in Transformers, things like that, like, it feels fake. It feels like it feels like uh, toy cities. Mm-hmm. And then here it's like, oh, no, this thing's giant that's mm-hmm. coming out of the ground, and it's scary.
1: And you're only getting the perspective of what these people can see. Yes. So you don't get those establishing shots that are hard to swallow where it's like, and now we zoom out to exactly outer space where you see the thing up against, like, the southern hemisphere.
3: And you still don't know what it is. right? You just haven't seen it. And then they have right. a moment where, you know, the church falls over, and it's yep. very... 911 yeah, building well, crumble. Yeah, not just
2: that, but just the sort of the dust in the air and yes. like the, you know, the crowds of people who are kind of like, you know, should we run? Like, you know, like that that like you're talking about yeah. that weird thing of like well, am am I, I think scared? there's also one
3: of the first like shaky cam action things mm. where it's like uh really reminiscent of like 911 on the ground people filming it. It's like yeah, yeah, ground well, level shaky camera, yeah, dust everywhere Yanoosh, and it's like, oh, Yanush. My man Yanush.
2: Love yeah. to talk, Ynush. He talked about it. Everything in this film was shot at eye level. He did not want to do much, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, like especially in those scenes. He likes to shoot at eye level. He's he, doing,
3: he's doing his bleach bypass, by by uh, what do you call it? bypassing yeah. and stuff. He's got the lens net. He's and got, he's got crazy, his classic soft and his pro mists on. And it's there. super he's, fucking grainy. This it's movie, so too. grainy. Like yeah.
1: it's weird now to watch a big budget studio film that isn't insanely crisp. Like that's now, the thing. Now that's what We're big so budget implies. We're so inured to that Marvel look like, of like yeah.
3: sort of, you know. Well, it's all digital now. Right. That's well, that's right. But it's all this like. Not, not Stevie though. Not
2: Stevie, right? Yeah. No. He, he's, no. He's, still he's still shooting so on film. Yeah.
3: Um, but this is like such a film movie. But they do like, so Yannis Kaminsky is famous for his lens netting, which is where you literally put like a net over the front or back of the Which lens. Which
2: get I mean, he did it on Bridge of Spies, right? Mm-hmm. He still does it. It gets that weird sort of, I don't know how to describe it. You can probably describe it where it looks it's like it's the like image the, is bleeding.
3: Well, the highlights start blooming. Right. And so, like, anything that's bright and like this is what uh, like Classic Soft does mm-hmm. or uh, Promis do similar oh, but different J.D., things. be on every episode. I love just it. talk to me about lenses. Yeah. And I want it, to crea- hear it, it creates it. different it's blooms. So, hot. so, Classic Soft and Promis will give you more of a uh, uh, radial bloom. And the netting, you'll you pick up this sort of, uh, there's a word for it that I can't think of right now but it's like it picks up the netting and then it starts the highlights start to bleed and here they do it so much so especially in those early scenes in the early yeah. scenes in a big time but what it does is that it it takes away some of the like it it takes away some of the realism and makes it more fantastical but without any effects aside from that so sure. that it still feels grounded right it doesn't
2: mm-hmm. feel like you're watching a newsreel exactly no. but it does, you're right it does <laughs> I just looked over to Griffin. He's got the mic in his lap. He looks like Paul Giamatti in fucking Barney's version. <laughs> he looks like this, like disgruntled Jewish academic. All of a sudden,
1: no, I was just so entranced by all no, the lens talk.
3: No, JD talking lenses. Yeah. My dick gets hard, man. Yeah. It's the best. Well, we can we can get into all the lens talk. We can talk. You know, yeah. how let's the, talk about the lenses in the, the other movies. Tiffin Pro mists are oh, glass, what the but they're is that? originally I they're based it. on um, whatever they're called uh, that were like the plastic versions the plastic versions would scratch. And so then mm. they make the glass version. Tiff- Tiffin made the glass version because they, and then Schneider has their classic softs. But then you get similar. You know, listen, we can get into all the. Can you yeah, do, do an
1: ASMR to, podcast where you just talk lenses?
3: You can just get into lenses and
2: filters. Dude. Yeah. Yanush he he does like comedy shit, right? He didn't he yeah. do some shit with like the, the He did funny people. He did funny people, he did uh Pineapple Express and stuff or something. No, he didn't. That's Tim Moore. Oh right, you're right, you're right. Of course. But yeah. but he, he, did funny he did people, he did another weird. He did one some recently. like like jokey sketch with Seth Rogen one time, right? Like, you know, on yeah. like the yes. end how hard would it be to get Janush Kaminsky like in this podcast? You know what I mean? Like I feel like Oh, yeah, he probably we could get him. Uh,
3: in- well, he's definitely a listener. He's a blankie. <laughs> yeah, he could talk about how the Wilson super frost his preference <laughs> to the over All there. right. Those
2: to blisters. get us back on track, as much as I don't want to, the tripod emerges. Tripod emerges, and uh, oh, he
1: shot. How do you know? As well, so funny, so weird. That's I, the other one. Okay,
2: uh, and starts blasting people with its heat ray, mm-hmm. which is uh, is depicted pretty faithfully to the um, H. Uh, G. Wells. You know, like it's a heat ray yeah. in the issue, and like that is the idea that it's just like it's no blood, just, no yeah, gore. It just turns people into soot. It's yeah. just like poofs their body. just gone. but their clothes are fine and they poof away, right, which is kind of amazing. Can I
1: talk about the image that that kind of unnerves me the most as a, like someone who was a kid in New York sure. on September eleventh and the days following it's Go moving ahead. back a second, but it's when we're introduced to Rick gonzalez jD's now getting into my barney's version mm-hmm. position yeah, Barney's version with the mic on the lap sitting back um it's when uh, he first runs into Rick Gonzalez and Yul Vasquez, and they're the two, like, dudes he knows. And it's, like, the long tracking shot with them walking down the street. Mm-hmm. And in the foreground and the background, you just see all these people getting out of their car and all walking in the same direction. Right, right. yeah. And it's very unnerving to see in, like, a, a populated city area. Right.
2: everyone doing that. In right. the same yeah. way,
1: not in panic, not running, but just in curiosity, like, all— And you just see more and more people. It's scary to watch that many people coordinated.
3: Do you ever have a moment walking down the street of New York where, like, it might only be three people look up at the same thing? And, like, you freeze and are like, what are they looking at?
1: Right. Because it's very rare in New York where everyone kind of just is like, move out of the way. I'm going where I need to go. Yeah. That people all start doing the same thing. Like, strangers on the street start doing the same thing. And if that happens...
2: The phenomenon where it happens to me the because that's unusual in the city, but in the subway. In the subway, right, all the time. Especially because I always have my headphones on. This happened to me just yesterday, yes. where it's like suddenly you notice that everyone is sort of moving towards the doors and kind of peeking out the door. Yeah, you know, like right. Yes, your train yes, is yes. stuck in a yes. station, and then you like look and then you realize like oh, some fucking thing has happened. Right. You yes. know, and people are either kind of migrating over there or at least like looking, craning their necks and looking at. Uh, it's an alarming does feeling. does that incredibly well.
1: But so zapping starts happening. Tom Cruise runs back, yeah, right? Yeah, gets
2: covered in ash, essentially. Right, you know? he does a Tom Cruise run. And he does a Tom Cruise run, but yeah. I really like that. No, it's when they're driving that has the, the, the highway shot, right? Yeah, the, this is when the church starts yeah, like, getting stuck yes. in the ground, but yeah. this is also really well done. It is. It's wonderfully done. And yeah. yes, he does a Tom Cruise run, but there's just something mm-hmm. so, at the time I felt it and watching it now, it's something so alarming and weird about the effect of people getting sootified, essentially. Yes, because also yeah, they do a
3: thing where like Tom Cruise interacts, or we see the person. Yeah, and then they go, and then they disappear. <laughs> so it's like, like Larry
2: Venito, especially that yeah. thing, you know, which it's, happens a little like a second later. But the 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 car mechanic guy.
3: It's often not a nobody. It's often someone that like you're introduced to for a second, yeah. and then they get disappeared, so that you're like, oh, I like that person. Yeah, and the
2: difference between this and Independence Day, which is a film that's obviously incredibly mm-hmm. indebted to War of the Worlds, yes. you know, especially the the novel. Um, is that in Independence Day, things get blown up? We don't see any people die. We just see yes. like engulfing flames. You know, take down the city. This, yes. this movie is very focused people on people are dying. being killed, and that's the focus. Buildings, like, that's the
1: primary. Exactly, focus. buildings
2: are yeah. kind of being hit in the like collaterally, but yeah. not really. Like it's it's people are being blasted. And, and the, I would say yeah. the
3: scariest moment of the film also has nothing to do with the aliens, which is the river of bodies car scene. Uh, the river of bodies is fucking scary. What with the car scene? Car scene. Di- at before the diner. Oh, you mean
2: you mean like oh, when the yes. those the, the, the swarm of people. Yes, yeah. that's the yes. most upsetting moment of. Oh, that's yeah. awful. But uh, we're gonna get to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But so yeah, he gets the kids. He goes to Larry Venito, who he had told to put a solenoid in the car engine. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's a car mechanic. Which
3: I, listen, I don't want to be this guy because I hate this guy. <sighs> but like, please don't be this guy. Think about it. JD. Tom Cruise is the only one in the entire country that had. Knows how to fix this car.
2: Yeah. Well, my guess is that uh, other people, because you do see the things are working eventually, right? Like, so other people eventually have this idea, but Tom Cruise, he's right there. He's at yeah.
3: just the right perfect time. I don't know. Who gives a shit? I don't, know. He has I don't a want to be that
2: car. Yeah. Come on.
3: Um, the, the guy wants him to get out of the car. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, that is it. That is the first. Okay. So the there's a couple moments that happen. One, he takes the kids and they're all like, what's going on? And then he has a moment where he's totally, totally like out of his mind and he's like just you have 60 seconds to grab anything and getting like he's not telling the kids and right. that's when they, they th- first start panicking right and you're like oh you're a bad dad kids are freaked out and then he walks them over to this car that is not his that he taught told the guy how to change the engine right and they get inside and this is the first moment that is like some good spielbergian intention. yep the guy that owns the shop comes up and is like Benito. Larry veneno he's like what are you doing let's get it
2: Cruz is like, we gotta go, we gotta go. You can get in if you want. Like that's the only thing he concession he gives. He's like, right. get in right now, or we're all
3: gonna die. He's like, get in now, or you're going to die. And then the and he guy screams that, and right. the kids start freaking out, obviously. And the kids start like, the dad, what's going, like freaking yeah. out. And then finally, Tom Cruise is like, close the door. And yeah. it's like that's a scary moment when the son has to close the door on this guy. And the right. guy starts, and the screaming. guy's like, it's not your car. Like, what are you, you know? Yeah. yeah. It yeah. starts off like funny and cordial, yeah, yeah, like, what yeah. are you doing, man? And then it gets to like, get out of the car. And he's like, yeah. nah. nah. It gets so stressful and tense yeah. and then BAM. The the in b- the rear view mirror. Yeah. 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 We should mirror. say that
2: that noise the tripods make is
3: great. Yeah. And uh I wanna say that that noise the tripods make, I believe this is the first time I think it's probably happened, but this is the first time like the modern zeitgeist of action. We have that noise in everything now. Yeah, the sort of yeah. the
2: Inception Brahm yeah, the or whatever. Ba- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ba- but you're saying this is the initial. This was the initial time when it was used. You might be right. I'd be interested to delve into the history of the sort of reverby, like bassy noise uh, as as a signifier or something terrifying. You should write that piece, Hi- History of the Brahm. I always wanted to write history about of Brahm. the history of the Brahm and the history of girls uh who jump onto men's necks with their legs and snap the neck and then like fall yes. there. because oh, that is a move that was not a thing <laughs> yeah and i think like scarlett johansson graph. in iron, iron man 2 is 2. the first one to do it and then it's like four films a year there's some girl who knows the move of yeah. like oh i snap your neck
3: with my legs like the,
2: it's not it, it, as if it's presented like it's like oh well you know if you study move, this yeah. uh yeah yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> the other one that I, there's a quick digression that i've been trying to figure out actually and maybe you guys can help me as well is um the trope of the abandoned children that are left to form their society on their own and are like half children half whatever Uh uh-huh because i was watching what are you talking about right now? so like mad max uh like the war boys yeah okay so wait what what tangent are we on here because we are barely into this movie i know i know but okay so hook (laughs) hook the lost boys and hook sure skateboarding, wearing stuff made of wood and sticks and twigs and okay, they have right. a language and a thing that's built on childhood ideas. Yeah. Similar in the fucking, the Mad Max, I think it's Thunderdome. That's not Thunderdome. Yeah, it's Thunderdome.
1: A road warrior with the feral kid? No, it's
3: Thunderdome. Thunderdome you're talking about. When he about, meets yeah. the people that pl- crash in the plane, it's all kids and sure, they wear sure, twigs sure. and all this stuff. And then like the Swiss family realms, like and the Ewoks I think are a similar thing. This yeah. idea of like, like primitive childlike like where did that come from? Isn't
1: Lord of the Flies the originator of that?
3: I think it might be but I'm tr- I, as it's depicted it's like this like, weird aesthetic that has now become like it's not steampunk it's like nature punk.
1: But that's why I think it comes from Lord of the Flies because it's like the island. You know? I, it is
3: but it, it grew into like this weird techie anyways. What are we talking David's about upset. right now? Okay. Like, you you went on a thing about women who snap men's necks with yeah, their thighs a great David. tangent. I'm uh, the host and
2: I go on tangent. A co-host. All right. Well, I'm a host.
3: All right, so da- David just- We are both David co-hosts. Just, David just put his feminine thighs around the neck of this <laughs> tangent and My thighs it. are pretty feminine.
2: <laughs> if we're, if we're Shapely, talking about it. <laughs> certainly. Okay, so we're back. We're back. Oh, no, we're back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just- I had lost the- um.
3: Okay, So uh, they're, look, look they're in it. the car. Let's, look for the history of the Brahm on- David Sims. It'd be a Good idea, right? No, but
1: the brown shift's interesting because it moves from what had previously been like just bombastic. Like, what's the most noise you can make to like what's the most ominous, unsettling yes. noise you can make? It's not about blowing out your eardrums. It's about like just throwing you off center. Yes. Um, which this movie does very effectively. I mean, it's just Agreed. like all, you're just uncomfortable the whole time. And in relation, in comparison to something like Independence Day, mm. none of the destruction looks cool.
2: It's all upsetting. Uh, yeah, apart from apart from maybe that one shot of the highway getting turned over while they're driving out, which mm-hmm. I think is an extraordinarily like well-realized yeah. piece of special the, effect. I think it's awesome, and I also think it's terrifying and really upsetting to watch, but it is, it's kind of cool. It's the, you know, the, you know. Yeah, right? the one it's moment,
3: cool. the other moment that I think betrays that idea also is right after, right before this moment when he runs back to his home, Sure, he's running past running. this yeah, explosion. Everything's yeah. falling away. And then he gets yeah. to his house, and his kids are like, What's, What's up? Going on? What's going on? Something's yeah. happening? And it's like, yeah. if Tom Cruise just ran from those explosions, like, you could hey, hear. kids, you could hear that. That's
2: yeah. true. The internal logic of these things are, but whatever. It's, yeah. it's, it's very yes, fluid, exactly. I am not worried about it. It's you know, fine. But, it, do- okay. it doesn't hurt so the So they movie. get in they the get car. car. We've Dakota talked about, starts having a panic attack. we talked about Dakota's work in that scene. It's, there. wonderful. That it's wonderful. It's that long shot, right. and that's very sure, yeah. good. And, yeah. you know, Chatwin's okay when he's with her, I would say. Yes, I think he plays also.
3: Weirdly, I think she's a strong performer, and so she helps him ground himself I agree I also think it's just not what you expect from the movie yes. right then so it's
2: it's just like sort of a heartening and interesting thing to see mm-hmm. yes like and, and he's the,
1: got a language with her that he cares about exactly her. Yeah. and that
2: the movie's kind of like giving you a sort of like look like they know they're dead they they because they, they, like the scene where Chapman wants to leave where she says like w- wh- who's gonna keep me safe like mm-hmm. right who's the movie doesn't even cut to Cruz going like oh I'll I'm hurt by safe. this yeah, yeah. that that's right. an assumed, like, she, we get yeah. why she would say that. That's yeah. not, like, we get why she would think, I need Justin Chatwin with me. Yeah. Because this Tom Cruise guy so far, C-minus Yes, yeah. yeah. you know, not so
3: good. Yeah. He, yeah. he had the solenoid idea. Yes. No dad, no thank you. No, no, dad, no dad, no thank you. you. There's a t-shirt.
1: Okay, so. It's t-shirt. no
3: dad, no thank you, and it's oh uh the no thank you is the legs of a woman snapping the neck of the no dad.
1: So the car brings them to the the most disturbing scene, which is when they hit the crowd, right?
3: Yes. Okay, so. Well,
2: yeah. Is there anything in between those?
3: Yes. So they drive first. Yeah. And they're driving through all of the, there's <laughs> conveniently a perfect car-sized path between all of the stopped cars. <laughs> right. Like right. all the cars. He drives
2: like, up the highway. Right. It's true. Yeah. Of course, it would just be, it would be gridlock. Bumper to bumper. Yeah. yeah.
3: But it's fine. It's fine. I'm not worried. There's not a criticism. Agreed. It's just a funny Agreed. whatever. Yeah. Then they have a moment that is the moment that you talked about as being one of the most unsettling moments where the daughter's like, I got to pee. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that happens right then. right? She's like, he... I got to pee. And he's like, yeah. okay. So they pull over and at this, like, farm.
2: I also like this because the audience, of course, is going like, oh, no, this is a terrible idea. Especially aliens, abandoned farm. to aliens, aliens, farm. Come grab her. And
3: she's like, the amount of tension
2: is crazy. Yeah. The amount of tension is crazy. She's stressed out, but she's not at his level of stressed out because no. he, he's her stressed kept out from her. What's exactly. going, what's going on? And so he's like, just pee right here. And she's like, I'm not peeing in front of you. Like right. that is Priorities. not going to happen. Yeah. And so she's like walking like an uncomfortably long way to like the nearest bush. And
3: it's great tension because Tom Cruise keeps going, stop right there. Yeah. Right? And she's like, no. And she doesn't get how serious this is. And He's right. like. You're getting too far away. And it's like a really good moment of tension. Tom Cruise's performance is great there. Tom
2: Cruise is good. And also, but at the same time, he is so wonderfully ineffectual. I think that's the scene where he goes, I'm making a list of all the times you're not listening to me. And I'm going to tell your mother. Like he has yeah, nothing. Yeah, he I'll has no parent power. But
1: also, it's a crazy wide shot, right? Yes. That holds for a while. So you just see Dakota Fanning running further and further off in the distance, becoming smaller and smaller. And almost every other time the movie has gone this wide, it's to show a crazy ominous
3: force in relation yes. to our characters. And Tom Cruise sets up, he says a thing that makes you nervous. He's like, he's like someone's going to try to steal our car. Right. And so he's got to stay with the car. Right. And then the farther she gets away, you're like, God, if someone comes or grabs her, like, where's he going to go? Like, how's yeah. he going to deal with this? And it gets scary. Then we cut to Dakota Fanning. She's gone to the woods area, mm-hmm. walks down to water where she's going to like ostensibly go pee in the river or whatever. We hold
1: on her face and her reaction for a while before we cut to what she's seeing.
3: Right, because then she goes from happy, going to go pee, to uh-oh, oh God, oh God. Is that a body in the water? Is that a body in the water? Right. We see a body come down the river, Then we cut to a reverse shot behind her where she's in the foreground, river's in the back, and we see this body. It's ominous. It's scary. The music hits. But then Spielberg, in his infinite Spielbergian touch, like hundreds of bodies then yeah. come down the river. And it's like, you have mm-hmm. the...
2: I'm trying to think that then that's not the plane. When's the plane?
3: That's so they go from here, then nice. they drive to the house. Yeah, right. right. Kevin's I'm trying not to piece to, it all together. Kevin right. and the mom aren't there. Right. Yeah. So then the explosion happens. Like this isn't lightning. This is something else. Right. And in the and morning which they is walk out. The the
2: but so those people, right? So those people aren't from the plane. They're just They're reporters who went there to cover the plane. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I meant the bodies floating down the river. That's just bodies floating be. down the river.
3: Who knows? Right. Who knows? Yeah. No, because that happens late, next. The but plane's still flying. Plane. No, oh, yeah, no, the, sure. The, the right. plane's still flying. Yeah, the plane crashes. That's the plane what's... crashes when they're in the house. Remember? Oh, right. All right, the... right. Yes. 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 But so then, the moment that happens right after the, this water scene, which is a great moment, mm-hmm. this is handled perfectly. It's like that's it's like a short film. When they say like the best scenes are scenes that themselves are a film. Sure. Girl at the water, a body. Oh my god! Then hundreds of body. Like yeah. it's just like this uh, makes right, sure. overwhelming. Like oh, you have no, yeah. you're out of control. They come back. Then they set the seed for the story arc that i don't know, need or want for this movie that i would if i could edit anything out i would the military drives by oh right yeah i mean the yeah and i agree suddenly the sun starts going take me take me in a way that's like now, Wait, what? now I want to speak now I think there's an interesting thing here and it
2: plays into the whole 9-11 narrative where he has this sort of unfocused rage he's a teenager yes. I've heard and he wants Read to on. direct it you know against yes. the, the enemies and of course that's what America was doing right, right. then when this right. movie's being written and made we I go think to it's war. not a bad idea but it's, it's undercooked. Yeah. Chatwin certainly doesn't sell it. Like, when he's like, let me go with the military, the audience is, certainly my reaction is like, what? They don't yeah. need you or want And you. it's also like, wait, what are
3: you going to do? You're going to go, you're going like to jump the inside and be like, still a gun? The military still looks professional. Yeah. You know,
2: they don't look like some ragtag group that they, would be like, sure, kid, here's a gun, come on. Like, and this
1: is also the first time in the entire film, up until this point, we've seen him be proactive in any way. Yes. He's mostly like, I don't want to fucking do it. I'll write That's my paper true. later. Yeah, it's you a know?
2: weird... Turn for him and the
1: daughter. It's like him dealing with the code of fanning just feels like him just relating in one moment rather than him having any burning anger or desire to fix the situation or whatever. And then it's not picked up again until the fucking moment where the movie falls apart.
3: It would almost work better for me if he was like, Dad, let's get in the car, let's follow them, let's help them. But he's trying to lead the charge before this, instead, he's like at the side of the road trying to. Convince the soldiers yeah. driving by to let him on their. it's like right. the logic doesn't make sense at all it doesn't make sense and his it, performance It doesn't seems to it. exist
2: like you say just to plant the seed for him doing it later right that's the scene where she says who's gonna take care of me then you go to then they drive that's when they then drive the car to the ferry and I would say to da- the Hudson da- ferry. Dakota
3: Fanning's performance there grounds that because that scene did not work for me but then when she's like like, but who's gonna take care yeah, of me? It? Like, yeah, yeah. it's like oof! It gets you in the gut again. But here, I want to keep uh, us moving. Look, okay, so pl-
1: plane crash, which you can see if you do the Universal,
3: uh, yeah, you can uh, go to Hollywood that set, right? Is tour. it cool?
1: They bring you through on the tram. It's awesome. It's yeah, fucking I mean It's rad. an incredible set. Did you see
3: that? Yeah. That look up the thing. And it, they go to Kevin's house. Kevin and mom. Tim. Yeah. Yes. But yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's call him Kevin. <laughs> Kevin sure. And, Kevin Tim. They go to Kevin and Tim's house. Yeah. And they sleep there, and Tom Cruise is still a bad dad. He. Doesn't have any food. They make peanut butter sandwiches. she's she
2: throws the peanut butter sandwich at the window. Yeah, I like that because she's been she's allergic. She's been allergic, been allergic to since birth. birth. Yeah. Since when? Since birth. Yeah. Okay, but that to me is it's a su- that's a good family moment. I like Agreed. that yes. the frustration of the fucking kids need to eat. They don't want to eat. Yes, yes. they they're, they're using that like tiny power they have, which is to refuse eating. I yes. also I
1: like this movie's use of sleep and naps in order to jump ahead in time. Right.
3: Yes. So then they sleep, and then suddenly the lightning starts happening again. Okay. Or so or you think. Yeah. And it's, it's the plane crash. We talked about it, guys. Plane crash.
2: Oh right. I guess. Well, I guess also that's where the news crew, the news thing people,
1: happens. they give them some information. So the, for the first time, Tom Cruise has a slightly larger sense of what's going on. Yeah. And she has that fucking zinger about like, were you in the crash? No. Oh, would have been a great story. But we have to point I'm out this feel, about I this. I don't love that. I don't either. Yeah. But this plane if crash. It bleeds. It leads. Yeah.
3: Tom Cruise walks up from the basement. We think we're inside the house. Camera pulls out. The yep. house destroyed. We Great don't know shot. what it is. We go to a wide shot where we see a giant, like, 747 strewn up about. That shot cost them, like, it must so have cost millions of there's dollars. a detail in there that I've read that was um, just getting the old out-of-commission 747 and transporting it, just the transport cost them $2 million. That's amazing. That makes sense, though. I mean, like, think about it. And then they separated it themselves. Right. And then... Wherever it was, and then built houses around it because that's the the seven forty seven is so gigantic. Yeah. And this film had a very
2: long shoot. I think it was like a seventy day shoot or something like seventy two, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. I, think, I think yeah, it was like Spielberg always says, like because he hates the idea that this was a rushed movie, like the sort of press yeah. idea. The pre production was, like, was rushed, exactly. He the was shoot like, was look, long. it was my long three shoot, three months you know? of pre production. But right. uh, an interesting thing about this movie is this is the first movie where he embraced uh, George Lucas's pre viz yes. tech. You yes. know, rather than storyboards. I think he had to. Exactly. There was no other choice. I think Spielberg, who had, was making Revenge of the Sith, was finally like, look, it's faster. You know, like, and and I So that's one reason this could all happen.
1: I think it also the fact that Spielberg was able to do it and deliver a movie that felt uh, fully realized from an effect standpoint was cohesive, set a really bad standard in Hollywood where they're like, oh, we can green light this and have it out in nine months, which is like Spielberg could do it because he like fucking good was ready for it. I think you start to see more and more rushed blockbusters
3: after this where it's like, pre-visit,
1: and then we'll figure it out later.
3: Yeah, right, right, right. right and right. What, Pre-visit what I, without a script, essentially. Right. Yeah. What I like is that it's a set piece so large and not action-driven. No, not at all. You don't stu- even see the plane crash. No. And that yeah. the studio had to go like, listen, we promise we'll use this for something else later and they like turned it into its own exhibit and it's yeah, like it's com- a fucking like the centerpiece of the tram ride imagine making a movie with a set piece so big that like the studio was like this has to turn into a theme park ride or else yeah. it's not a good idea
2: I, I think it's also helped the false notion that this was the most expensive film ever made when it came out there was this idea that it would cost 250 million dollars when it didn't it cost like half that
1: they were also very secretive it cost were 125 very million yeah.
2: and the big thing was that uh, so
1: both both Cruz and spielberg mm. Uh, they took points or whatever instead yeah, of- Yeah, no, no, no upfront salary. Right. Well, right. they made a lot of money. A lot of money. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay, so now they're on the road. They end up in this town.
3: So anyways, the the, the son's driving. This is one of the best moments of the film. Agreed. And the son goes like, uh-oh. Dad wakes up, and he's like, okay, keep your foot on the gas, and let's switch. They switch drivers that yeah, Tom Cruise is, is now cool, driving. Right, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. a cool moment, because Tom, it's one of the first moments where Tom Cruise is like, I'm going to be in charge at this moment. Why don't you drive? Trust me. I
1: don't have a license. Never stopped you before. Hard cut to. Seats are flipped from the same angle. It's right. dark outside. Tom Cruise is sleeping.
3: Right. So now they're driving in, and we see that there's, like, people everywhere. And it's the way they shoot this is so good and so great. And there's, It's like a zombie attack. There's a cool thing that I was reading about how Janas Kaminsky, they used, like, tons of different types of light so that it felt, like, chaotic, and they felt, like, they have, like, flashlight lights, incandescent, fluorescent. So, like, you have all these mixtures of lights. So it just feels unsettling and, like, chaos. Is... And all these people are walking, and you're seeing Tom Cruise's face, Dakota Fan. It's like everyone's face of just like, this is about to be really bad, we yeah. can tell. Yeah. And Tom Cruise knows the most that it's going to be really bad. Right. And the kids aren't as aware of how bad it's going to be. But
2: I also like that thing where it's like no one is fucking with the car for a while, even though there are lots of people around the car. Yes. And then some people start mildly fucking with the car. And then you see, you just sort of see the very slow like mob reaction Human fear where it's taking over, yeah. right? It, like the more people start to mess with them, the more people are emboldened to mess with them. And then when he fires the gun, everybody snaps out of it for a second. Mm-hmm. Remember when like Cruz yes. fires the gun, yeah. everyone's like. Yeah, whatever. You know, like it's weird that you would have the shame or whatever, yeah. like sort of knocked back yeah. into you for a second. But it Because tries. they become like
3: animals. And it's they such start, a good yeah. performance. Because yeah. Tom Cruise has had that moment, where, like, at the beginning he's like, Sorry, sorry, no, no room, no yeah. room, sorry. And She's saying, like, can't we take them? And you know, like you And know, he's like, No, 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 yeah. lock the door. And then Yeah, the guy's like You could fit ten people in there. Like twenty, I think he says. Yeah, twenty. And I'm like had, twenty. Yeah. What did you do? Yeah, I was math. thinking about it and I was like, you know, anyway, and but- then there's a moment where someone gets on the hood of the car, and then Tom Cruise guns it, and then suddenly it gets more physical, and then people start pounding on the car, and then and someone breaks the glass, things, and then right. it like gets fucking crazy. Yeah, the guy
1: is trying to, to rip open the, the glass. That's one of the scariest images. Hands is. are bleeding. There's a guy grabbing onto the broken yeah.
3: glass, cutting his hands up, trying to get inside. I know. Yeah. it's really, it's and, really alarming. And then Dakota Fanning is inside the car while the brother and Tom Cruise are fighting, and then people start piling into the car. Like crushing her. Right. And Tom Cruise has seen this happen. And that's when he takes the gun out and shoots it. Yeah. He shoots the gun to
2: get her, not to get, to get the car.
3: Yeah. yeah. And then the guy puts the gun to his head. Right. and He's like, drop the gun. Tom Cruise does it. So I'm yeah. taking the
1: car. I'm taking the car. And Tom Cruise is like, give me my daughter. I need my daughter. I, I, daughter. Daughter. I just want yeah. my daughter. Yeah. I
3: just want my daughter. Yeah. I just want my daughter. Yeah. Which is like, that's one of the best moments because character change stuff happens. Yeah. Like, he's putting his family first. He's
2: like, he is. But I mean, also, I do think it's one of those things where he realizes, like, yeah.
3: Yes. Can't. I'm not, gonna yeah. I'm, I'm not going to win. I'm not going to win. And then you see it's the car liability.
2: being consumed, basically, being by con- the mob. And yeah. then the
3: scariest moment is that they go inside this diner. Yeah. They, the mob consumes the car, and then you just see this, like, this actor gives one of the best performances. He's, like, some weird dumpy-looking dude that, like, walks up, sees the gun Tom Cruise drop, picks it up, looks at it, and has this moment, and we cut back to the diner. And then in the background, we're talking to Through the diner. Of the diner. Yeah. Through the windows of the diner. Through the windows of the diner. You see, like, the mob of people on the car. The car starts pulling away, and then all of a sudden you see that guy wearing the yellow jacket that we know just picked up the gun, walks towards the car, bam, 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 bam. You see the person in the car die, yeah. and then everyone, and then turns into chaos. Right. And you're like, oh, my God, society is falling apart. Right. This yeah. is it. This is it. This is the end times.
0: And It's th- great.
3: It is great. Yeah.
2: And then we move to, like, an orderly boarding of the, I of think, the ferry. To me, this is
3: the line. Yes. Yeah, because
2: I was going to say, like, it's an odd shift. I agree. Because after that, you feel like, great, like chaos has taken hold. And then we cut to... She runs into... Is it Jodie Benson? Yeah, I believe that is Jodie Benson. Voice of Ariel,
1: the Little Mermaid. Really? Places next door neighbor. I believe that's... It's either Jodie Benson or Julie Warner. I get both of them confused. I think it's Jodie Benson.
3: Anyway, carry on. But to me, this is the moment where it feels like we hop the tracks from this grounded film about people observing society collapsing in the wake of disaster into an action movie. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the... Um, and there's the, a couple other moments later on that I think return back but this is the eh, line to me where it's like the right. plot
2: we got we and we got to move forward because we're running out of time but I think that the um the harbor that the fairy scene is good the fairy scene is good really it's, it, it's it's intense
3: and well done and like I like the escalation of it it's, it's just,
2: neither of the two actresses I thought it was it's Lisa and
1: Walter who okay. looks like Jodie Benson Jodie okay. Warner all
3: right. but okay. to me what, what what's different about it is that now Tom Cruise they're the main characters again so like sure, if, sure. The first, have this movie, they wouldn't have made it onto the ferry. But here it's like, oh, they're the last ones to make it. And you're like, okay, now it starts getting a little fantastical, a little yeah. bit like Tom Cruise is the hero. He becomes Mark Wahlberg
1: in Patriot State, where it's like, how do you make one fictional character, fictitious character who's at the right
3: place right, at the right experience time? Experience all surviving? these things. Yeah. 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 So, anyways,
2: Patriot State shout out uh, four months after it came
3: yep. out. Yeah. So then, Just anyway. Anyways, fast forward. They get they get on the ferry. They get across. They get across this. I mean, I, I, know, think, know, there's like I they, think the
2: ferry scene is impressive because it's that thing where the soldiers then have to. It just the the sight of the tripod. Mm-hmm. Yes. makes everyone go from orderly boarding of the ferry to madness. Yes, mm-hmm. the soldiers have to keep them back, and you're thinking like. But these soldiers are gonna die. Like everyone. if I was a soldier, I'd just get on the ferry. But it feels like fucking Titanic.
3: Exactly. Yes, it's a Titanic, moment. and they have an awesome shot where it's the ferry and everyone looking up, and then on top of the hill the tripod. Yes, it's like yeah. so it's a well great composed. Shot. It's yeah. so cool. But then they take down the ferry anyway. They take down the ferry. The thing yeah. comes from the water, which yeah. is sort of cool. It is cool. And oh, then
2: they're we in the water.
1: To establish that the news reporter uh, shows him the tape and shows him specifically yeah. that the things are coming down through the lightning. Yeah. And, and going into the
2: ground to awaken ships. That's their transportation yeah. to get to the I don't, the I don't think we needed any of that. No, apparently personally. that was literally just Steven Spielberg being like, it's boring to do an alien invasion. Want, I want it to be that they were already here. He wants to flip the visual iconography right. and not have them come from It above. makes not much sense. No, except it's for so convoluted. You can have some idea of like an ancient aliens kind of idea where it's like they seeded the earth. Yeah. And they left these things there, which I like that to turn us and you know to breed us to be food. We essentially. were like a food farm, you know, sort yeah. of like the Jupiter Ascending. Or we, you know, sure. it's not, it's not completely outlandish. They were waiting until idea. there were
1: enough of us that it was worth coming back. Because like for, what for we learn is
2: all they're doing is harvesting our bodies and turning us into
3: red weeds and drinking blood, drinking maybe. us up. I just yeah. don't think we need the still image of like the alien waving at us in the lightning to be like, I, I, hey, I, this is how we got into I, the ground. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't think you need the news reporter scene at
2: all.
0: It
1: is interesting that Janusz Kaminski, who's famous for like his fucking pools of light and everything, this is the one movie where they use light as a signifier for like danger sure. where it's like the flashes of the lightning even yeah. when they're in the car like it's like anytime there's a bright flash of light it's not a stylistic flourish yeah. it's like this is something bad happening
3: yes the darkness is a safe in this yes. movie so anyways they end up on a hill and then the tripods are fighting the military and then there's this moment where the sun opts to join the military Sort of a drag down. Dad, moment. let me
2: do this. Then Dakota stand the, by yourself. The literal right. The idea is that Cruz has his hands on Chatwin. You can't Dakota's do that. Dakota's like fifty paces behind him, and these other people are gonna take her because they're Where's afraid that daddy? she's been Come abandoned. Come with us. You can't be alone. And he makes this like Spielberg, like really, you know, concentrates yeah. on him letting go of Chatwin as the army after.
3: crawls away. It's a very, it's the odd. performance is a little. It's it. It it's, doesn't match. It's, it's a
2: visually cool that there's like something happening over this hill and we can't see it the tanks are rolling in there's like missiles being fired we don't know what it is we just see light and flashes and noise Now Famously, they were mm-hmm. really secretive about this movie. Yes, like it they was a like, top they,
1: secret, and everyone was like, Is there some crazy twist? They and didn't the, show the aliens, the, no one knew
2: anything. The about poster it. was just like an old fashioned like Ben Hur, like right. War of the Worlds block letters, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like it's a statue.
1: Right. So everyone thought, like, are there some weird, surprising elements? The movie's pretty straightforward in terms of plotting, right? It right? Is. It's very similar it, it to plays the out. H. G. Yeah. Wells'
2: novel, The War of the Worlds. Yes. yes. It
1: just uh made contemporary and set in America instead.
2: Yeah. A couple characters get merged into one character right. that's about it
1: um but famously at the uh press junket uh-huh. when they would usually show the full movie and this was another movie that was sort of a turning point of like don't even let the press see it right. we don't want anything leaking out yeah it's the funny. actors only get their scene. Spielberg was obsessed
2: with this for this movie right, alone. which is like marvel uses all of that shit sure, now sure. but anyway what's the what's um, your point
1: at the press junket they only showed this scene which is a weird scene to lead with, right, where they show him this scene, scene that feels very Spielberg. If you only saw this scene, you'd be like, "I guess this is the whole movie. It's the I mean, father struggling with the son. Right? It's the vague threat over the hill. Yeah. But it's like then you watch the movie, and the it's first a scene half is that doesn't like, have
2: a huge amount of bearing on the overall film. No, no, and it doesn't doesn't feel earned. It's just to kind of get Chatwin out of the action. Like and it yeah. doesn't even
3: really have a huge emotional beat. Not it, at all. The problem is also the logic doesn't make sense. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to run unarmed behind these tanks like that are clearly losing. Like I don't get what the kids again if it was like there was some ragtag group of people that are like grab a gun help us but instead it's like tanks driving and he's like trying to run after them like a dog in a way it's like I don't get what his idea of what was well, going to take it's also, place also It's this
1: one scene that like suddenly becomes a lot more like allegorical and like impressionistic Yeah. whereas the rest of the movie up until this point has been like very literal very visceral. And Very hyper real.
2: Yes. I agree, and um this is where the movie gets not that. He chooses to put a fanning, and, and with that decision,
1: I feel like the film also starts becoming visually much more straightforward. Like, say for some of the basement stuff, I think it starts getting a lot less washed out. The colors become, like, a lot more conventional. The grain
3: structure, I think, even, well, like, goes away. Here, You want to know why that is, I yeah. think? Because we enter CG world. Yes. Okay, all right. You know what I mean? The... From here on out, there's a lot more CG A lot of ships, action. a lot of aliens, a lot of probes. Okay. So, anyways, this next part, I think the plot stuff to me doesn't matter as much. Well, the next part is Ogilvy, right? The next part's Tim Robbins. Right. Yeah.
1: They get in a basement, and for 20 minutes, we're in the same place after this movie's now, been moving so when great. When the movie came out, phase. Yeah.
2: I feel like already the prevailing narrative on Spielberg was like, he really struggles with his final thirds right he now. He doesn't stick the landing. People were really saying, like, hey, man, I thought AI, Minority Report, and Catch Reef you can all had bad final thirds. Disagree with them on those. Agree. I agree with them on this one. I agree. Yeah, uh, I mean, and It's I, bad. I was this excited. is Tim Robbins coming off his ill-deserved Oscar for Mystic River.
1: That's another factor at play. Is like he He's was, given his
2: Mystic River performance, like, times two or whatever.
1: And he was a runaway train throughout the entire season. It was like Robbins is just cleaning up. And he got all the awards. And then I feel like two months after he won, everyone was like, Wait, is that performance bad? Everyone was like,
2: he's the worst actor in Mystic River. It was like an immediate backlash. It is backlash, easily the worst performance in the film. But he he's swept not a bad up actor. that season
1: like uncontested with good competition. He won every single award, yep. and then the backlash was immediate. So by the time this came out, people were like, oh, fuck, he's doing the same thing. And you get the sense that he was just like, oh, it's a Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg, War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. Assumed it would be played at Hook or Close Encounters level. And then just gave that performance without any awareness of what the rest of the movie was but and why where it was. isn't hit.
2: Spielberg toning him down? What so is this bizarre. character? This character is essentially someone who's decided that, like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's sort of, again, like a very vague 9 11 or war on terror mentality where he's like, you know, they, they may have gotten us, but we're going to get them. Like, we're not going to let this happen. Like, they're occupying us and we have to resist. Yeah. Well, also. He's a guy in a wife beater. with With a shotgun in a ruined basement. Like, this is not a a guy, it doesn't make any fucking sense except that, quote, he's crazy, end quote. Okay, leave.
3: Yeah, but he's he's not
2: crazy in a way that's scary to
1: watch. It's just like, just get away from this guy. He's silly.
3: And I think the logic maybe of what was on the page versus how it was executed is a little different because the idea is that they take a refuge in this guy's basement and then they think that this guy's trying to get to safety and they learn mm-hmm. out that no this guy's trying to camp out here to fight them from the inside yeah. he's right. like and Tom he's Cruise like, you and he, me let's fight together but the he's problem like is
2: digging a tunnel like, yeah the problem is it's not like a so it's, Shawshank Redemption.
3: it's not like a bunker that you would feel safe in it's just no. the bottom floor of a house right. and it doesn't it feels like the kind of thing where it's like Tom Cruise wouldn't you just keep running like, yeah, just why would you think that you're now, safe this here this is yeah. in the book it doesn't feel yeah. safe. at least in some they form. They combine two characters, but there is this sort of and there's the passage. the book yeah. and the book
2: and the original movie. I think has the whole scene with the eye yeah. uh, yes. snake thing, which, is, which I think good. is fun. It's him
1: hitting one of his greatest hits. Like it's yeah. yeah, it's him playing, you know, the hit single of like the Raptors in the kitchen. You know, Minority Not Report to... with the spiders. Yes,
3: which is a much yes. better version. Um, but I think this, here's when it starts getting into like, okay, we're no longer in this like re- hyper real look at what it's like. Like, there's a moment when like. The they're mirror. hiding behind a mirror, Right. and then Dakota Fanning slips, and the, the thing sees the her shoe, foot, yeah, and then yeah, it goes around Spielberg, the corner, and then it's yeah, just the gone boot, and, and they're and gone. And it's like, wait, so now okay. they're doing like Madcap, like it's Spielberg Here's clever. Me. I'm gonna sp- yeah. I'm gonna
2: speak up for this scene, okay, for the, for something about the scene, and I like the aliens, which I know JD doesn't like. I don't know what your take on the aliens is because we see the aliens. I mean, maybe the between the two of you, I um, would
1: rather you didn't see the aliens that haven't been said. I like the way the aliens are
2: executed. Um, I love. How inquisitive and playful they are, I like when the thing with the bicycle yes. I like the yes. thing with the bicycle. I like the way that the eye moves. I like the sort of weird like uh just reversal of them, where mm-hmm. it's like no yeah, when they're in their ships, they're just you know an occupying like brutal force, but like yeah, there is something it's not even like likable it's just it's creepy they're yeah. like you know weird little fish people that come out and they're like hmm, interesting you know and then i don't yeah and then it goes like and they're like oh yep time to yeah. clock off get time back to, in the uh, tripod Again, yeah yeah better suck up some more human blood yeah um i,
3: I like that i it it, uh, it it unnerves me i think that they are fine i don't like cg aliens i don't like seeing the motion of cg aliens i don't like when it's like oh, they have to have, like, four legs and walk like this and be really slender and three slimy. They have three legs. Right, whatever. They're it, tripods. They're tripod creatures. Right, of course. But, like, I don't like the, like, slender, shiny CG alien thing. Sure. I, I wish I, uh... we had seen them less. I really like their faces because I think a lot of them, a lot, there was some times where they had some practical faces. hmm But I just, for the most part, don't, I don't need to, I don't need you to show off how these things move and walk in CG, especially when it's, like, shiny body, full, it yeah. just feels like you're not going to land it, so don't do it. My two favorite
1: uh, executions of an alien species in recent cinema history, and I would just say like 21st century as recent cinema history, are uh, Arrival and uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which I both think make the smart decision to like move as far away from humanoid as possible, not give them faces. So you can't read emotion onto them. Sure. And they're just weird, interesting organisms. I, 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 I would say- I
2: love the alien design in Edge of Tomorrow so much. Oh, I think it's a cool That is so design. frightening yeah. when you see them.
3: Yeah. Attack the block.
1: I, that's the third one. I said two and then immediately thought actually there's three. That's the Attack third the one. Attack
3: the block. You don't see them. And when you yeah. do, it's we're, hard to see them. What yes. a great movie that is. But I think all three Isn't of those it? movies do such a Attack good movie? So in God. Edge
1: of Tomorrow, they move so fast it's hard to see them. In arrival they're usually behind fog and attack the block they're mostly in at night in the darkness right like and all three they totally avoid any sort of recognizable face humanoid forms you know so it just becomes like a weird force and i think the other one is paul
2: I hate that's that. the fourth one <laughs> one of the worst films ever made one of like quietly the worst hey, films ever that made. that guy's got a weird career huh greg uh, matola greg matola yeah
3: but the alien loves smoking weed and has a lot of funny jokes about inappropriate.
1: Yeah, David, he's chill.
3: But he's a chill alien. But David, he's a chill alien. There are a few moments in this basement scene that are cool and rad. Isolated moments. The moment when Tom Cruise is like, if you have anything to say, you can say it to me and never speak to my daughter. Mm -hmm. Good little moment. Mm -hmm. It implies a lot more without being sinister. Because that could have been a very y whatever. It implies all of that with just a line and a performance by Tom Cruise.
1: I think the shot, the POV shot of him putting the blindfold on her. Yep. Yes. I think that's
2: good. It's good. Even though I don't, again, like what happens think it right totally after that. earns the, the murder thing. No. It just doesn't feel like it has much of an effect on Tom Cruise. But I like that yes. moment in
1: and of itself because there's a hard cut to you're looking at Dakota looking straight at you. I'm with you. And you hear the voice saying like, okay.
3: Yes. And then what happens? Ne- I mean, next they kill it him. Just ends. They murder him, and they, right, they murder and they him. They just leave. But and
2: then, then the, no, there's just one more set piece, which is you know them right. getting
3: kidnapped by the tripod. The moment when right. Dakota Fanning is missing, though, is pretty good. I guess so. I, I like would, it. He runs outside, and it's like, oh, this thing. The person that he, yes. the person that he chose to protect, right? He's he lost her. Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, and the visual, the studio, like obviously they shot this part in a studio where it's like. The red everywhere, and it's like it just that the is look great. is That's so. When he yeah. exits the house, and it's, and it's another quiet. The veins are
2: another everywhere. nice, like you know, way for them to advance time a little bit. Yeah. So it's like when he comes out, the world is just covered in this these red weeds. Yeah. Uh, and it's so really quiet. Gods. Yeah. And it's no, just it's like great. so creepy. It's, it's the end of the
3: world. It feels like the it, oh, it feels like. And now I'm realizing something that they uh, Stranger Things the uh, the whatever other universe thing. The upside down, the upside down, yeah, where it's like this... more like Lamer things. Okay, is it more like Lamer things? Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, but then we get to then we get to my least favorite part of the they're movie. They're both caught in the net. They're in this like cage underneath the ship. It feels very similar to uh Teddy. And uh, David mm. in the uh, net under in the, uh, the moonship the, the moon, in the AI. Moon thing, uh, yeah, There's the a similar moon. thing where the ship collects robots. they I all mean, in this cage. I do like it. Dakota Fanning
2: has shut down. Yes, like her brain no working no more. Like yes. she's just catatonic.
3: And that is a cool moment of tension where you see a person get sucked up into this like very organic like yeah a butthole. It's butthole. A, it's a butt. It's rose budding. What I like. What I like is that it feels organic and it feels like ooh you don't want to be pulled in there because then you just get. Drained. I'm yeah.
2: fine with it. I guess I just this set piece just
3: yes. I I mm. don't oh, like the set piece.
2: I also oh, don't like that
3: they're finds in the a vest full of grenades. I don't like they're that they're inside a cage outside of it. Yeah, because also the bars are wide enough that you can slip through it easily. And right. I'm like, wouldn't I mean I don't want to... I don't mean this in a crass. I'm not doing a bit, but it's like if you're trying to. A nine eleven thing, right? Like, don't you have them jumping out? Wouldn't you if you're in this thing, you're seeing people get pulled up to be tw- well, like people I mean, would be jumping yeah. out of this but thing. It feels
1: like the movie has dropped that what, at this point. It feels this... like it makes the second act shift yeah. into trying to represent the chaos of like, should we go to war? Should we fight? But it doesn't do it well.
2: But the thing is, it's like yeah, maybe it's kept, maybe it's Spielberg or someone. But essentially, it's like well, we need we need a like punch the air moment yeah. here. We need a hero moment. And right? then what I don't because like, we've decided to stick with the ending, which is just and then they got sick and.
3: That was that, you right. know, like, you know, so Tom
1: Cruise defeats this ship, but he didn't defeat the whole race. The but rest at of the least race you got died. like
3: a, hey, you yeah. know, right. And that's what i He turns into a superhero here as he finds grenades. Yeah. And then the army he, guys like I got your back. And then he gets the attention of the thing. The thing sucks him up. What I don't like again is we see someone get sucked up into the machine and get turned into blood. And then Tom Cruise gets sucked up and then everyone tries to save him. It's a group effort in the cage. And I'm like. Yo, how come you guys didn't try to save the first guy? Well, Tom Cruise got a star power. I think it's well, yeah, true. But also, he the military guy sees
2: that Tom Cruise has the grenade. Not belt. until after, I don't think. I think he does, but it's a little confusing. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, I think that's the implication. But also, out.
3: also, if you saw he had the grenade, wouldn't you be like, "Oh, good, this guy's gonna." While he dies, he's gonna save the rest of us. Right, suicide. Yeah. You wouldn't be like, "Let's save this guy." You'd be like, yeah, you'd be like, get that guy in there Let's make the sure he yeah, gets the grenade. Push him in."
2: It's a good little here when he has the. The pins. Sure.
3: It's great, but it's a different movie. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's okay. a completely different movie. And then movie. the thing explodes, and then. We don't. Tort, you do Then they tort, go to Boston. But then you don't sell me on like the thing collapsing. It's like, uh, you guys all fell from a hundred feet in a cage. All right, K. JD, you're being nitpicky. And then, now. then also no, simultaneously, but it's, no, but the movie. Nitpicky. No, the movie is so real for the first half, Agreed. and then it turns into like, no, no, no. We have been forgiving the movie. Don't wag your finger at me. I'm David. wagging my finger. Oh, boy,
2: we have been forgiving the movie for the first half. Like you know, the van just
3: drives up the highway. Sure, okay. sure, sure. You
2: can forgive that shit. I don't care about them surviving when the tripod falls down. I just don't. Need the tripod thing at all? Like That's I, what I'm saying, yeah.
3: I'm just saying, so many aspects of it to me are like, just don't do it. I agree. Don't do I mean, it. I don't like that him
0: pulling
1: off his hero moment of like making the butthole swallow the grenades is simultaneous with the aliens also catching a cold and dying. That's like, here's your victory, and also your victory was the
2: last victory we needed because everything else has been solved by itself. I almost just want, because I think it's good that Tom Cruise gets the tiny hero moment of noticing that the birds are landing on the tripods later. Oh, right. Where he's like, the force field's down. Look, the birds. Shoot. That's a believable hero moment for a blue-collar guy. And then the army, you know, actually does, does their the stuff.
1: Thing. He just noticed.
2: And I think the ending of the movie is actually nice. I just think this movie would be a goddamn masterpiece if that middle, you know, bit that we've just discussed was just different in okay, some way. So here's, I don't like
1: the ending with the brownstone. Here's no, why I like the ending with the brownstone. I, have one it, adjustment. I like the ending with
2: the brownstone if Tom Cruise is pretty ruined. But you know, which I don't point. think he sells. No, that's, and here's, that's the problem. But here's, I'm saying if you
3: change that this bit that we're talking about, then maybe it would work. Right? Yeah. I agree. And my other adjustment, the brownstone moment. Sun is not
1: there. Yeah, 100%. The sun
2: being there just becomes like. I think it's. Of course. Are you fucking crazy? (laughs) Nobody on earth, 100 bajillion people would watch this movie. Every single one surely would come out and be like, why is the sun there? David, calm down. The worst thing in the world. Yeah. David's hand motions there. You didn't
3: bring it up. Muppet-esque.
1: You're acting angry at us for bringing it up. I
2: hate it. No, no, I'm not mad at you guys. You guys are great. Oh, I love you. I'm so mad at, so at the movie for doing that. It's yeah. like, who does it help? Nobody. Who is happy about it? Justin Chatwin's like, agent. I, <laughs> even Is even he happy? Is even Justin Chatwin's agent happy? Yes, yeah, because like, his agent wants two war, two worlds. Yeah, right. <laughs> sure, fair yeah. enough. They're back. They yeah. were even deeper underground. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> like, who walks out in there and is like, good movie. You know what I really loved was that the sun- didn't die that we didn't or whatever
3: un- <laughs> like, that has never explained to us why the sun is the somehow sun fine gets to Boston before he, them
2: he successfully he fought with the with military, military. It, they were done over, they were like can we drop you off at a brownstone he walks over the hill into like the apocalypse let's right. be clear right like it's not like uh you know like no. a battle yeah and there's it's no the ambiguity end of the world yes and when we you know cruises in that basement for like a couple of days. Yeah. So it's not like the aliens are getting sick. Okay, so what, I don't like. What is Spielberg
1: trying to do in this ending? I believe he's trying to do the Searchers. I think this is his homage to the Searchers, where it's like this guy's been on this crazy mission yes. to retrieve the daughter, and he brings him home, and then nothing's better. He's alone, and you mirror the same shot in the Searchers, where John Wayne walks out and you know goes off into the distance. Right here's this lonely guy. He made restored someone else's family. Yeah. Right. Uh, and there's the whole thing in The Searchers, the sort of subtext that perhaps he's the biological father of Nallywood. Right. I think in this, it's the idea of like this movie has been him trying to reconnect with his children sure. and learn to protect them. And at the end, he's still not their dominant parent. They're more comfortable with Kevin they're hap- they're home. and Miranda Otto. They're home. And Tom right. Cruise doesn't walk into the building. He doesn't. Him, That's right? what I like about it. Like, okay. And I
2: want him to be, yeah.
1: I think they need to do three things. One is Justin Chatwin isn't there.
3: Ugh. He died. Right? He died in a massive explosion.
1: Or not? Just who knows? He no, he's went, dead. He, he, died.
2: <laughs> he won yeah, his, he died. his battered died.
3: body.
1: I think number two is the
3: last shot is at his gravestone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> then they go to his gravestone, which is somehow been already. It done. fades yeah.
1: at, into old Private Ryan at the gravestone. Yeah, uh, looking at uh, Justin Chatwin's uh, uh, burial site. Uh, sure. n- number two is uh, I nailed that one. Uh, number two is I think you don't just end the movie with Tom Cruise standing outside of the
2: brownstone. You end the movie with Tom Cruise walking away. That's probably fair. I would do that, too. But, I mean, and right, and I feel like... And number three is you
1: sell that arc more up until that point. There's
2: a movie where when he kills Tim Robbins, it's the right thing to do, but his daughter can't look at him the same way. Yes, the movie watches that emotional beat. And he's been ruined by it, too. Yes. And, like, so when you do that, you know, you could even have it where it's like, that happens, they exit, the aliens are getting sick. Yeah. And you know, he, you know, you have that moment where it's finally like, you know, you see the tripod go down, and the it coughs. I do like when it coughs up all the orange soda, and the alien yeah, like falls this. out. Um, but uh, and and but yeah, but the idea is at this point she can't, you know. Yeah, they they've been ruined as the world is. I think ruined.
1: it's essentially two movies. The first half is just this like almost like docudrama, like this is just what it would feel like if you were in the middle of this and you had no power and you were just right. anybody. And then halfway through, it starts acting like it's paying off an emotional, like, distant father. It's, it's the you know, the Spielberg divorce kind of cloud mm, that hangs sure. over everything, except from the perspective of the father who's desperately trying to hold on to his family. Right, yeah. Except Which the first is, half of the movie wasn't that, yeah. and aesthetically what was interesting was just the set what pieces did in the Tom Cruise moment. See in this? I have no idea. Well, Because, the,
2: like, again, if the movie ends that way, maybe I can see Tom Cruise being fired up about it. Right.
3: Well, the last line should have been, Tom Cruise walking away and then he stops sort of gives gives a laugh looks just just left the camera as he says i guess they're wrong when they said this was a mission impossible <laughs> <laughs>
1: that would be good and then he pulls off his mask and he's
2: ethan hunt <laughs> he's yeah. bill Seymour Hoffman. yes no dun, I, dun, dun, I would dun, like da, it dun, dun. if he went like looked at them and he was like then yeah. he was like Justin Chatwin, how did you get here? <laughs> yeah, right. Tell me
3: everything. I,
2: I was waiting for that, too, of like, what's the story, shit. man? Yeah. Can we get 20 minutes? Yeah. What kind of a fucking crazy time did you have getting here? Yeah.
3: And also, like, him being like, did, did he tell you that I had to fight these guys? And, and she, <laughs> oh, my, it was cra- I mean, I this killed is Tim uh, Robbins. Yeah. He's like,
1: this, this could be a movie. What I just
3: went through could be a movie.
1: This could be
2: a movie. Yeah.
3: And Justin
1: Chatwin's like, hey, I wanted to kill Tim yeah.
2: Robbins after he won that Oscar. <laughs> he, does, I? he does say that because Justin Chatwin was very vocal at the yeah. time yes. about that. Yeah. But I do think it would be good if every movie ended with the person who's the star of the movie saying, this could be a movie. Yeah. Like, just, yes. yeah just sitting This was down crazy. And, this yeah. was a really crazy we thing We should to sell this as a movie.
3: Hey, guys. J.D. Amato from the future here. Uh, the Ben Ducer was kind enough to edit this audio file into the episode because I just needed to come clean about something. Coming up, you're going to hear me read a list of the notes that I took during the movie. And one of them that I mentioned offhandedly is Tim Robbins' Great, I believe. And immediately Griffin and David jump on me to talk, say that he wasn't great. And in a pretty cowardly way, I immediately like roll over. And I think I even claim that like I misspoke about my note or like my note was written in a way that actually means the opposite thing. And it's been weighing heavily on my conscience, so I just needed to come clean here to you guys. I thought Tim Robbins was great in this movie. I get why people might not like him, because it's a tonal shift, but I don't think it was his performance. I think his performance is appropriately creepy and weird and out there, and I think there are some story things that are wonky about this sort of character and all this stuff, but I don't think that's on Tim Robbins. And to be honest, I let the peer pressure get to me. Sometimes David Griffin can be so sure about things about movies that me, even though I work... In this industry, an adjacent industry, I can be convinced that I don't know what I'm talking about and I just wanted to agree with them. But uh, I'm taking a stand. I'm not letting the peer pressure get to me. I was a coward when we recorded this and I, I I let everyone jump on Tim Robbins. I should have defended him. I thought Tim Robbins was fun in this movie. I get if you're not into the performance, but I thought it was fun. I think this movie's fun and I just had to come clean. Um, David and Griffin probably will never hear this because I don't think they'll listen back to the episode so as far as they know I agreed with them but I'm here to tell you guys that I don't agree and that I'm here to defend Tim Robbins and uh, I'm embarrassed about my cowardly behavior coming up but um, I wanted you guys to know the truth anyways thanks Ben Deucer for putting that in there and um, listen guys we can also come to peer pressure but we all have the chance to make it right. Now, back to the episode.
1: Uh JD brought notes. So do you have anything? uh Yes. yes you want to cover on
3: your note sheet? There's one big, I mean, my, my notes are, cried at First Chaos, cried at Boat, CG uh-huh. Aliens bad, Tim <laughs> Robbins is great. Uh, Tim Robbins is not great. great. What's that? Tim, Tim Robbins, Robbins is, is great. great. N- uh, not in this movie. To me, it was. Oh, you just like Tim my Robbins? My note was, Tim <laughs> Robbins is great when he comes on screen, and then that. Sure. Then it all goes away. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: this is the thing. Most I of love my, Tim
3: Robbins. My big in note so was many other Shawshank movies. is one of the best performances of that
1: decade. So yes. great in
2: Shawshank. So great in Hudsucker Proxy.
1: Oh, yeah. So yes. wonderful in The Player. Uh-huh. Like, so
2: many great Tom Tim Robbins performances uh, out there. Yeah, I
1: mean, Bull Durham, motherfucker.
2: Uh, Tucker, a man in his dream? Uh, he's not in that. No, Jeff Bridges is in that. Yeah. My, my uh, High Fidelity,
3: he's unbelievable. My final <laughs> Very note. Very good in
2: that. Patchouli Stink. Get sure. it out of his store.
3: My final note, which I wonder if you guys agree. I have a whole theory that I want to get into. Okay. Bad credit. Agreed.
2: Odd credits.
3: Really bad. bad. What's with those? What's with the Windows? movie ends? They cut to it, and it is a silver, glimmering mm-hmm. font over a starry background, it's that odd. says. Written and directed by Steven Spielberg, or like directed by Steven <laughs> yeah, Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right, no. this
1: movie's bookended by fucking Morgan Freeman. Freeman, Freeman
3: reading, literally reading from like Orson yeah. Welles' right. text. Cells or, or in or water. Yeah, 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 right.
2: I think it's from the book actually. Yeah,
3: it is. But then, if they just cut to almost like a more subtle Spielbergian cut to black. Yeah. Directed by, but instead it's like this like 2005 era Spider-Man style. Ending credits thing, or even
1: like the opening credits of like the Richard Donner Superman, where it's like yeah. Starry Night and these big like shiny letters that are like flying towards you, yeah.
3: Because I have one of my big theories about. I wonder if I had mentioned it on this podcast before. I'm sure I have. Is that one of the most important moments in any movie? The is first credit, the moment it cuts to black. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's those five seconds. Yes, where those five seconds determine if it was a good or bad movie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's why I think Netflix. Griffin like, mm-hmm. agreed. Mm-hmm. Netflix is one of the is. Basically, like done one of the greatest crimes against they film. Yes, they have. It cuts where to black, like, you're, and then you're, you're suddenly, you're it in recommends the catharsis. Fucking, yeah.
2: yeah, and then it cuts. To, it's like, don't you want to watch the ridiculous six? Yeah, it, no. It, it would be like if you <laughs> want to watch. I want to see who the key grip was. Yeah.
3: yeah, it'd be like if you just romanced your love, yes. and then the moment. Wow, JD, tell the, us more. The postcoital, the first postcoital moment. It was someone being like. Hey, do you want to uh, do you want to do that again, or do you want to do something else? What do you want to do right now? <laughs> it's also, like, yeah, no, let me sit in this moment for just a moment.
1: That's I love that moment after sex where it's like. Who's going to say the first thing? And what's you, it going to
3: be? You said sex in a really... Because <laughs> I don't like also, talking about sex. nobody wants to hear us talk about this on this podcast.
1: I know. That's why... Let's get the mo- metaphor out of the that's way. That's why I said it in that voice, well, well, because I started saying it, and I was like, wait, no, I don't right. want to describe myself guys, having sex in any way. Not, okay. guys,
2: we've been on mic for a while. We've got to play the box office game. game. Well, do okay. we have anything else that we want to talk about? I think you're a hundred Look, the worst crime this film perpetuates is yeah. Justin Chatwin's line at the end of the movie. Right. Second worst crime, probably the credit. I yeah. just
3: third Tim Robbins. Netflix just have a feature yeah. where you can delay it the amount of time that you want.
2: But maybe Tim Robbins being bad in this movie was good because everyone agreed he was bad and then weirdly that was the end of his career. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, am I wrong? He's I mean, obviously some some he's, solid
2: supporting performances.
1: I, I, I wanted to come back
2: well, in good form. May, maybe I guess it was the end of that sure. Uh, sure. thing he's doing sure. in there. Oh, I, I also
3: oh. I also read something about this film that the costume team created 60 different versions of his leather jacket. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I read that too. That's fucking
3: insane. What are they? Yeah.
1: They also said there's this thing where Dakota Fanning's character has like a unicorn purse that's tied to her jacket. So yeah, that's I saw the that. one semblance of like comfort for her that mm. like she holds onto it for sure. all this chaos. And I don't think you don't ever remember. clearly see the unicorn I don't remember purse. remember that thing at all. But I read two paragraphs of the costume designer talking about that as a decision.
2: Well, I mean, good and for
3: that costume. That same as the purse, so was uh, Justin Chowen's <laughs> Junko jeans.
2: Yes. Okay, box office game. <sighs> this movie came out the Independence Day weekend of 2005, July mm-hmm. 1st, 2005. It was okay. a four-day weekend. I was living in Boston that summer. I was yeah. interning at the Boston Phoenix, and uh, I would see a lot of movies by myself. It was 2005. 2005, that summer. I saw like every movie released that summer by myself at the AMC Fenway, and- uh, this was one of them. I
1: was working as a counselor in training at you Bucks at Rock Creative camp. And Performing Arts Camp, mm-hmm. and I had to uh, be taken out by someone else's parent to go see this movie at the New Milford uh, uh, Theater.
2: Did you see it by yourself or just with the parents? I saw it with or... a group of people. Okay, group.
1: I think the parent dropped us off, and then we was... got lunch somewhere else, and then we saw the movie. I was
2: 19. You were
1: probably like 16.
2: I would have been
3: 16, yeah. How, what about you, JD? Um, that was before my senior year of high school, mm-hmm. and I was at probably... I think that was probably the summer where I was at the New York University Ooh. Summer High School Filmmakers Workshop. Hey. Meeting people who would become my friends and collaborators for the rest of my life.
1: You know I did that program the following summer. Mm. But yes. I did it in the animation side.
3: Mm-hmm. And wait, did you In you the mean- animation side? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did That's when I thought I was going to be an animator. Did You, meet you know, people? I was an animator at NYU. Yeah, I know guys, that. Guys, Who's your guys, professor guys, in that?
1: Uh, uh, Matt. What's right, his last enough, name? Enough, enough, enough.
2: Okay. No, no, basta, basta. Uh, did you meet oh, your friends and collaborators forever? at this summer workshop
1: no but i did meet uh chris cookson who's a very loyal bank he I has mean, written into our, our show chris before cookson. avid listener uh g- great guy but other than that i i've never talked to anyone else uh. i like
3: david brushing this off uh how about how about we have another reference to when you lived in england david why don't you uh yeah, oh, well. Well, well, why don't you, you humble brag some more i didn't mention living in england once this, this episode. episode i know i'm just saying that's that's a that's i a, was something
2: i was living in boston
1: when this film came David's out. David's always bragging about living in England and having a One of the girlfriend. elements of this
3: podcast is you describing an exactly element. where in England something was. Yeah. It's an element of my damn
2: life. I okay. mean, that
3: is, uh, anyway.
1: Box office game. I believe this film makes just about $100 million in the four days.
2: It made $112 million in its opening weekend. $250 which is, total? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. It got a 250 total total. No, sorry. 234 total. Oh. And 591 worldwide.
1: So it essentially did 50% of its domestic in the first four days.
2: Yeah, it opened huge. Yeah. That's a good point, because in the next weekend, Fantastic Four comes out. Yep. World oh, my World's, God, I forgot about that. Or World the Worlds, actually, it's a fair drop, 53% drop. It's not, like, a terrible drop. No. It makes $30 million, you know, but obviously. That,
1: that July 4th corridor was its main area, the shine.
2: For sure, and it did its job. I mean, it's a nice big opening, 112 mil? Now, because
1: of uh, both uh, Spielberg and Cruise, uh giving up their upfront salary. Right. I believe Cruz makes $100 million off this movie. Yeah, I think
2: this was the apex of him making like, ridiculous yes. amounts and of money. And
1: Entertainment Weekly, and this is at the height of the Cruise, like, wait, is this guy fucking weird? Backlash? runs a cover story that's a picture of Tom Cruise smiling and it says is this guy worth 100 million dollars and i think like that's sort of the final yeah. brick in the jenga
2: tower yeah. right. is like
1: wait he made that much money after like acting this weird and like being kind of miscast
2: isn't this when he then like his sister is his like publicist or something he like he like uh, cruise paramount, wagner like, dissolves like, yes. yeah and
1: paramount kind of uh, suffers ties with him right after. We should Mission say Possible this trade. is actually
2: it's only a quasi DreamWorks movie, DreamWorks movie because Paramount releases it theatrically. Yes. DreamWorks has and Paramount the, did yeah, right. almost all of Cruise's films. Yeah. So okay. Okay. Number one, War of the Worlds. Number two, uh, it is a sequel. And oh, no, sorry, sorry, it's a reboot of a franchise that had been number one for the previous two weeks at the box office. It's a reboot of a franchise. Yes, it has made 154 million dollars. Batman Begins. Correct. I saw it like
3: three oh, wow. times in theaters.
1: Cruise and Holmes. I saw it like three times in theaters. My, still my favorite of the Nolan
3: films, uh, the Nolan Batman films, I'll say. I saw that way late. Interesting. I, mi- I miss movies and never.
2: I just assume I've missed it. You just forget them. it. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Uh, Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Somewhat of a a well-remembered 2005 movie, yes. unlike
3: War of the Worlds. Right. feel like they're from different eras of cinema, personally.
2: Well, one's probably yeah. at the tail end of one and one's at the yeah. start That's of That's what I'm another. saying it yeah. feels it's a transition. like, transition. You know,
3: it's like they're same year, but man, it feels like Batman Begins with the beginning of a new style. Passing of the torch, I, I would say so. Although it's you know it's feeding off a yes, certain, definitely, but
1: definitely. Nolan kind of becomes the blockbuster filmmaker that everyone else is trying to copy, rather than Spielberg, For because sure. Spielberg's now transitioning into like maybe I want to make
2: more dramas. Spielberg's like, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna do my own thing over here. No one right. bother me, right? Like, Everything's haunted, yeah. and if I make a bad movie, like don't worry about, yeah, it, you know. I'd like a lot of movies to take place in Europe, yes. yeah, and like I don't really care about Oscars, so. And give me one if you want. You know, I'm not going to campaign.
1: Number three at the box office.
2: Uh, it's a uh, much discussed. It's a in my, a film that is, in my opinion, truly bad, but uh, okay. was a huge box office hit. Not only because it's an action film starring two famous people, but because of the Mr. And Mrs. Smith off screen drama. Yes, Mr. Oh. Mrs. Smith. Monsieur et Madame Smith. Doug Liman. Mm-hmm. Limania. Yeah, Doug Lyman, probably his most successful film and probably his worst, in my opinion. I think that movie is god-awful.
1: Doug Lyman, who recently uh, beat J.D. in a game of uh, table toss, Is that is right?
3: This is is he a nice guy? Yes, he he's a very nice guy. That's good.
1: He's really good at ping pong, right? Uh, I
3: don't uh, I, yeah, I think like this is telling a tale out of school. We were sharing an edit facility together, and he, he's been there working on his newest film for a long time. Which is with Tom Cruise, I believe, yep. correct? Yeah, American, Maid? Maid? American Maid? Yes, and something. The yeah. Wall they were just doing as well.
1: But he's got two movies that he's, like, posting on. And another so one. Say, right?
3: um, and so he brought in personally a ping-pong table. And then Fair. a member of my staff told a member of his staff that we should play each other. And that spiraled out of control, and then it became this big game between us. Mm. And I think that I'm pretty good at ping-pong, table tennis. So I was, like, not sweating it. Mm. And then... He comes to the table. They, like, squeeze in a time and a schedule. And his, one of his members of his team... Brings him. He goes, uh, do you think I'll need Excalibur? And, like, I hear he's good, referring to me. Yeah. Which was just the hearsay of the people that had challenged him. Legend has and it. And he goes, get Excalibur. This woman brings out a box, a black, like, nicely crafted box that, when opened, has a foam cutout with a custom paddle inside Boy, oh boy! that she had to remove and hand to him. And then we did a series of casual back and forth. And then when the game began, he unleashed a skill and finesse that he had not displayed in the warm up. <laughs> so you were saying he was he was sort of vaguely hustling you in the warm up. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. big time. Yeah. yeah. I think he went up like fifteen to zero. And I think I ended twenty one to seventeen, so I made a big run. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But he definitely beat me handily. He yeah. made
1: you think you were gonna play against Jumper when you actually played against Edge of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I Indeed. mean, it was Indeed. he
3: was he really yeah. Would you say that you were
2: fair game? <laughs> <laughs> Number four, the box office. One of the big bombs of the year, a film I saw in theaters alone at the AMC Fenway, uh, a comedy uh, starring two mismatched stars of the moment. Oh boy, are they mismatched? Uh, they were mismatched. They from were a, of the legendary moment. director of romantic comedy.
1: Legendary director of romantic comedies is it Gary Marshall?
3: No,
2: it's a
1: lady. Uh oh. Yeah, uh, it's 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 not Nora Ephron, is it? It is Nora Ephron. It's Nora Ephron. It's 2005. I believe this it's, is her oh, penultimate yes. film. Yes, 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 yes. It is Will Ferrell and Nicole
2: Kidman in *Bewitched*. What a what an idea that was! A, I, a film I, in which posits that the film, the TV show *Bewitched*, starred a real witch, right? And that in remaking it, they will also cast another witch played by Nicole
3: Kidman. Yeah. Which is almost the identical plot to like Child's Play Four. Uh, you mean C- Bride of Chucky? Yeah, Bride of Chucky. Right. Yeah. Right? right. Isn't that the exact same plot? of Chucky does that too. Yeah. Chucky is this, the next Whichever one. one that takes place in the set of a Chucky movie. I believe that's Bride of Chucky. Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, yes. Insane. The most. Which uh, is crazy. Yeah. I mean, but Bride of Chucky at least is a schlocky little horror movie. Like, but which was like. One of the big tentpoles of the summer. Will Ferrell was hot. Will Ferrell was hot. And Nicole was Kidman f- was hot.
1: This was the first of like three consecutive bombs for Will Ferrell. Yes, it was. Where he it, then went it, back to basics. This basic. is
2: the year where he had the producers as well. You know, like, and kicking yeah. and screaming. Yeah. And then right. he's
1: like, Adam McKay, let's kicking get back. Screaming together. is not bad. I think oh, people it's not will good. look. <laughs> I think people
3: will look back on a lot of those movies and they will. People will enjoy them, because I think the, the movies we just mentioned, not bewitched, <laughs> not bewitched. Here's, bewitched what, I, here's is, what I think. Stephen Colbert's in it. I think that's Corell too. Yes. Well, plays Paul Lynn, right? plays the Paul Lynn character, and yeah. it's not good. I think people, will, I think not, they're not going to be regarded as great movies, but I think people who find Will Ferrell will be like, oh, these are fun. Have you ever seen Bewitched? I have not. No, yeah. no. No. No one will think that. Bewitched is insane. It's also
2: like a Hollywood satire in which Will Ferrell plays a star. It's every decision that's made it's, in that it, film is It's one odd... of the most
1: overthought. Okay. Adaptations of incredibly simple source it's material. The big I've ever seen.
2: line that it tried to hit in the trailers was where she goes, I'm a witch. And he goes, That's okay. I'm a Clippers fan. That was what it thought was like the line to they, land. They treat it's like when Hollywood the was trying to make Will Ferrell kind of like this Just guy can be like a rom com leading yeah. man, right? right?
1: He's, he's a plugger rather than like the creative force behind his movies. Right.
2: Is he Jim Carrey
1: rather than like Woody Allen? Right. Um, not that he's Woody Allen, but like Will Ferrell has to have a voice in his movies. Agreed. Uh, that's when his films are best. And number the number five, 5 film at the box office is uh,
2: children's film, another sort of reboot of a children's series starring uh the teen idol, a uh, teen star of the moment and Michael Keaton. Oh, Herbie Fully Loaded. Herbie Fully
3: Loaded. My gosh. Herbie Fully Loaded,
2: that. a movie for children mm-hmm. directed by uh, Angela I mean, Robinson? Sorry. Yes, and um starring Lindsay Lohan. Which the title refers to her large breasts. Yep.
3: Wait, is that true?
2: I mean, no. Yes.
1: The poster <laughs> also was like they cut her off right below the breast. Like it was like her breast hanging fuck over else is the car. Fully
2: loaded, supposed to be. I guess. Also it's, written by uh, Gowan Miller. Uh,
1: yeah. No, Lil, uh, Lennon and. Uh, oh, well,
2: they wrote the second pass or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah right. But also the Smallville guys wrote it. Yeah. Um. But
3: yes, you're right. Weird movie.
2: Uh, made $66 million. Fuck's up. It's not a bomb. Of course. I that, was
3: before, that was before cinema started falling apart at the seams. It was a simpler time. And so, and so other movies up there, you've got Madagascar. Oh, great. The original. You've got Longest Gosh, Yard. It's so crazy. Aren't they still making Madagascar movies? Yeah, they'll never stop. Are they? Yeah. I think they are. It's crazy.
2: There's a fourth in development. Well, it's the thing with animation where they, they kind of get the ball rolling on a movie and then no one cares, but it's too late. You I know, could rant about Madagascar.
1: Ro- don't get me started. And actor- I don't want the to. The actors
3: don't age. So you can just keep making
1: yep.
2: them. Um, uh also in that movie, Rebound. Who remembers Rebound? Oh, Martin
1: Lawrence's Rebound?
2: Martin Lawrence uh coaches like a girls like high school team or something. No, it's
1: mixed. It's boys and girls. Good. It's not even the ladybugs premise.
2: You know what? Good. I'm it's glad. progressive. Crazy. Uh also in there you've got a little film called Star Wars Episode Three Revenge of
3: the Sith. Which I did have we... still never seen.
2: They made a third one? They did. Apparently they did. I forgot about that. The longest yard? Yeah. Land of the dead. Remember oh that? yeah, yeah.
3: Hey, do you guys remember when this podcast was about you guys having never <laughs> Yeah.
2: I remember when
1: I just made that reference to it? Uh,
3: Cinderella Man.
2: <laughs> Cinderella.
1: Two thousand five
2: kind of a kind of a crappy year.
1: Yeah, it was a bad year. A couple good movies coming out at the end of the
2: year, but the summer was Oh well there's a movie in this uh, in number fourteen of the box office called Crash. I feel like that amounted to something weird. Crash. Weird. This
3: was a weird year, huh? Yeah. Me and you and everyone we know. Oh my gosh! Remember that? that.
2: That's fucking...
1: like the most 2005 movie in a way.
3: Boy, is it!
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, pooping back and forth forever. Right. Well, JD, what a bad movie! Thank you so much for being on the podcast.
3: Thanks. And now we're gonna talk about Terrace House, right? Yes. <laughs> God. This, so is, this JD's is new favorite TV show. So, okay, so episode one. No, 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 Terrace no. no, no. We're totally out of time. Uh, JD, <laughs> check out my brother, my <laughs> brother
2: and me on CISO. <laughs> I was promised
3: time for Terrace House. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, oh, right. That was, uh, that was just our way of luring you back in here. Uh, okay.
2: listen
1: to all
3: our day. Yes, thank yes. you, My Brother, My Brother, Me, 12-Hour Day.
1: Uh, Gethard Show, every episode available on YouTube.
3: Yeah, check out New York Story on season,
2: Netflix. Season 2 of Gethard. Yes, New York Story New York on Story, Netflix. The I Colin need to Quinn watch special is that. phenomenal. Thank you. Um, Season 2 of Gethard, man. It was great. Thank you so much. Uh, should be watched by all. Season 3? We'll see. We'll see what mm. the future holds. Mm. You yeah. never know. I mean, probably we'll know the point yeah. this drops. Just Google isn't...
1: by the time this episode drops. It'll be four months from now.
2: Uh, yeah, probably JD will be like at the helm of... Fucking, you know, Moon Knight for Marvel, you yeah, know, or something. That's my uh, dream. <laughs> okay. Moon night. Moon Knight's your yeah. guy. Uh Griffin will be filming the tick.
1: Yeah, deep into it. Yeah. Uh producer Ben, any final thoughts?
2: Uh no, guys. You sound sick. Oh no.
1: Okay. And Ben, dub that over with your sick voice. Uh, thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Yes. Uh, next week we'll be talking about the film. Munich. Yeah, that's right. With Todd Vanderwerf. With Todd Vanderwerf, we can promise a guest because we've already recorded it. Right. Every other time I've called a guest, they've. Steven
2: Spielberg, man, what a moody little bastard he is. He's in Thinking his blue period. War of the Worlds in Munich, back to and back. And by
1: blue period, I mean Milky Gray period. <laughs> sure. Um. Uh. But yes. Uh. Thank you. Uh. Uh. Listening, rate, review, subscribe, go to the Reddit, what have you. And as always. Can you talk about lenses a
2: little more, J.D.? Yeah, J.D., just give us a couple more lenses. a couple more lenses. Is there another Spielberg movie where you like the lenses?
3: I mean, you can, we, so we can get into the lens talk about Spielberg, but also his use of motion.
1: Ben, put some easy listening music on for this. Use of motion. Keep talking, J.D.
3: So, Janis Kaminsky, when he, uh, mm. when he thinks about cameras, it's all oh, about yeah. the point of view of what you're watching. So, okay. when you're thinking about lens choices, right? Yeah, you want to figure out lens, Jana. You want to figure out if you want something that matches the human eye or something that gives you sort of more of a dynamic approach that is selecting the things that you want. So that's why when you do (laughs) non-digital intermediate work because, you know, this film, actually War of the Worlds was a film where he didn't want to do a digital intermediate pass. He wanted to do all of it through actual bleach bypass things right, like right, that right. which sharpen it a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. right. bleach bypass; will get a little sharpened. Yeah, right. I think yeah, I mentioned exactly. the uh, bleach bypass. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, so then he does things like the in-camera netting, which gives that bloom that a lot of people will now do via DI, mm. Mm. which see, isn't as good in your. Isn't as good because yeah. you, you, you miss the, the tactile fabric of human nature. The eye so fucking hard. <laughs> and if you do, so the difference is you, you can put a net on the back of the lens or on the front of the lens. Now the fear is the front of the lens that light can catch the net, and then you get no more artifacts of the net showing up in your image, whereas the one that, if the net's on the back, fades in a little bit more. You don't notice. It. But, so you like it on the back? Well, it's a little choice. It's a choice mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. make. Everything's a choice. You can make a choice, and Giannis, well, he'll put it up on the front sometimes because yeah, he's like not scared of that.
1: He's mobile.
3: That's Star-rain. why if you go back and you, in, in this movie, first this, all they call it. this yeah, movie, not mobile. in this movie, there's a moment when the first, I, mean, I think he is mobile. He can walk. Yeah, sure. it. <laughs> when the tripod makes a big explosion noise when they're in front of the church in the beginning. Uh-huh. You can see the net, baby. Oh, can you see can that see net. the net. All you right. see it. I'm gonna okay. cut you off there, JD. I could do this all day. And yeah. then I'm hungry. Okay. Better
2: they're go <laughs> No, can... no, no. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> okay,
1: good. okay. Bye, everybody. Okay, so here's the question before we start. Like, I know you're recording now, but yeah, yeah, it's fine. but here's the question before we start, like doing it in earnest. We involve Ben a lot in the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to not be invoked? I am happy to be invoked, guys.
3: Will right? Will is my name. Okay. Cool. Intern Will. Okay. Or uh, or. Um, what can happen, too, is you can respond, and those will just be the lines that Ben has to ADR and put in later of himself.
1: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Yeah. you could just have him overdub what (laughs) I say. Okay, cool.
2: (laughs) Ain't that right, Ben? It's like, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can do my Ben impression. Uh, Let's let's try all of the options. Let's see what works best, okay?
3: Um, I think it's sort of like a singing in the rain thing where it's like you fill in, and then Ben overcord over exactly what you say, but in a voice that is more the fitting of the exact yes. tone yes
1: mm-hmm. right um okay and then and then the note here is to place this whole conversation at the end of the episode Perfect. right as is tradition
0: all right let's right. go okay let's ready go.
3: this has been a
2: ucb comedy production check out our other shows on the ucb comedy podcast network